Welcome back to Lays with Gumption. This is episode number 143. You can't save everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Lays with Gumption. We recap DCTV in a flash. My name is Jessica and I'm here with Tatiana. Oops, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> You're here with um, all of us. <laughs> yeah, all of us. <laughs> Jessica. May. And, and Tatiana. There we go. Um, you can find us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Our home is on Podomatic.com. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, um, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. If there's a new podcast, you'll find it and jump on it, so it'll be available to you. Um, but the premium podcast is our Patreon, and if you are on it, thank you for helping support this podcast and all of its storage fees and keeping us afloat. Um, and for that, we reward you with getting um, these episodes 24 hours in advance of the normal release, um, as well as extra stuff outside of the DC universe. Um, you can listen to us talk about everything, including we, I feel like we always say like the same things. Those are like the freshest that are on our mind, but um, there's over 40, close to 50 episodes now on our Patreon. Um, everything from most recently, like the Mandalorian Bridgerton, which was a big one that I keep forgetting mm. that we did. Um, the boys, which is coming up on season three. So you can, we've done seasons one and two of that one. The Witcher is coming out soon with the season two. You can recap with season one. Um, a lot of the Marvel stuff we're doing now. So WandaVision, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, and I think coming up, what it was coming up next? Loki. Is coming up, so we'll probably be covering that. Um, we also do like a lot of movies, Justice League, um, the Snyder Cut, Godzilla versus Kong. Um, we're gonna force Tati to watch Mortal Kombat so we can talk about That's it. That's right, I still have to do that. <laughs> and we've all watched Shadow and Bone, so I, I assume that that will be the the most um, the next episode that we'll be able to do is Shadow and Bone because we've all seen that one. Um, and I feel like there's others. Like a lot of the other like um, big TV show fandoms and things that are coming up, um, that's Patreons where you're gonna get that covered. Um, oh, and Shane, my bestie, agrees with me that y'all should watch The Wilds on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I saw a little. Uh, I don't know where I saw it. It was like a gift set on t on Tumblr, I guess. And I was like, oh, what is this? This We're looks so intriguing. Fans. And then it's like the wilds. And I thought of Jessica. I'm like, yes, she's been yes. pushing us to watch the show. So now yeah. I'm inspired even more. <laughs> um, so this is the one that's kind of like um, Lord of the Flies before girls? Yes. Well, season okay. one. Yes. And season two is coming up eventually. <laughs> I don't know when, but definitely... Um, there will be more than one season. So no time like the present to watch season one. <laughs> um, so that, if you want to find our Patreon, it is www.patreon.com slash cctvgumption. Um, and I think it's $10, $10 a month. So if you want to try it for a month and just be like, that is enough, that's fine too. <laughs> um, or if you want to continue um, and get cool stuff, then we would appreciate your support. Um, not a lot of news this week, I don't think. Um, the biggest one for the DCTV verse is that 
Carlos and Tom Cavanaugh are confirmed leaving the show after seven seasons. So this will be the last, um, basically Tom is pretty much gone already. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll come back for like a, a guest spot in next week's episode, but he's pretty much already out the door and Carlos will leave sometime, whether it's at the be- end of the season or in the episode called Good Vibrations. We don't know yet, but when he does leave, then it's pretty, it's going to be pretty final. So mm. any thoughts about these two? I'm so sad that Tom is taking Carlos with him. I can't <laughs> believe this. Uh, but <laughs> no, I mean, I do think that we have underestimated or overlooked even though I think we joked about it a lot, but just how much The Flash hangs on to its original cast. Mm-hmm. So, like, from the original cast from season one, isn't this the first time since Eddie was unceremoniously booted out <laughs> season one itself that mm-hmm. we were actually losing any cast members? So that's actually a pretty impressive run for, you know, being on the seventh year, and this is the first time that we're really having people exit the show. And it was just at the point of contract negotiations, which means it was, like, naturally the point that they were like, hey we're good and the show and and i'm sure that we don't have the budget to be like no we'll pay you double please stay i was like tom is like he started off at 100k an episode so i'm sure that cw was like okay well we're saving some money (laughs) yeah and and, um, i mean i guess i wasn't surprised to learn because especially after like the third episode of this season tom just disappeared that he was supposed to leave at the end of season six he wasn't supposed to hang on to about it i feel like we talked about it because i feel like there's that one uh because one article mentioned this one instagram like you might have missed it i'm like i don't Mm -hmm. think we missed it because yeah there was one picture that he posted like this seems kind of like final but then COVID hit and then everyone kind of like forgot about it and kind of bled into <laughs> the new right. season right no wonder they spent such a long time on his goodbye i was like exactly. I, I understand right. it now. yeah <laughs> makes sense in retrospect. Um, yeah, but so yeah and, and i think it's the only thing that i think is a shame is that we never really got i think the storylines that just so deserved in the latter half of the show yeah yeah you know, i feel like season three his storyline is kind of just like <laughs> <laughs> dropped yeah. off the map I completely agree with that. I think like he's such a talented actor and he gave so much to the show and he was a real bright spot, you know, even if it was something small, but the show really did a disservice to him and his character and it really sucks, but you know, he's onto greener pastures now. He's free (laughs) and I'm sure he'll go back to like doing theater and stuff like that. So yeah, which feels like it's um, where he feels like his sweet spot is anyway, like creating his own music and, and, doing theater him and tom will drop that album i don't know uh, maybe oh, there you go there you maybe they're working a project together that's why they're leaving together that's, that's why they're leaving together and, and um also adjacent danielle gave a big interview to i assume it's like a latin because we i've only seen like the translated version but i assume it's like a latin american uh publication just because one of the questions is asking her about her latin american fan base so i assume it's related um, but she was saying a lot of things that you could take, you know, as I'm getting ready to leave, but we don't also know if she was referring to like Tom and Carlos, we're just talking about, you know, this journey is ending for some of us earlier than others. So who knows what happens, but I just feel like every time people like, Oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> it was to you, then you say like, every time someone ex- 
just back to do your final season like another year is added on to her exactly. contract. At this rate, she's gonna get her own spinoff. So stop thinking it's yeah. season ten. Of, season ten of the Flash is just gonna be titled <laughs> Snow Frost, and it's gonna be Caitlin and, and Frost on their main yeah, adventures. One thing I was thinking about though is that they announced because they must have known about this way in advance. Like they probably finished contract negotiations. Oh yeah, in definitely. early fall at the latest. You know, so I was thinking like with regards to Tom already knowing that he was bowing out anyway and then Carlos announcing it now maybe that make makes me think that he will leave earlier than the season finale which and, again like good vibrations yeah exactly and then because I remember um, I think it was this week that Danielle was giving an interview about how like that episode is very emotional and there's like a lot of yeah, very sad in Francisco mm-hmm. um, yeah and I mean I, I don't I don't know if Danielle will ever leave but like if she is then they would probably hold off on the announcement because it's probably the finale that she would. Well, yeah. And then also because that was like a big frost episode that this news was announced. So it's like, by the way, she's also leaving. And you know, (laughs) people freak out like what happens to frost? Yeah. And she still has like her director, not directorial debut, but the episode she's directing. So yeah, we shall see. That's interesting. It's like, um, you know, we were talking about predictions and, you know, it's not supposed to, just because it's not supposed to end this way. It's like, what if it's Caitlyn now? It's like, well, now what if it's like Cisco dying? <laughs> like, Speed Force Nora, hand through the heart. He and <laughs> Camilla will move away way. from Central City so that he can avoid death. <laughs> that's, oh, that's what I hope. I hope that he and Camilla get to have their happy ending just because they have been insistent on him, like, calling Camilla every episode that he's in or whatever. And, and being in love with her, and that's his whatever, yeah. whatever. So Yeah, even okay. though she's not there, he's just in love with her presence. <laughs> so, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but anyway, moving on from the Flash news, we have some Batwoman news. Spoiler alert! Um, Stephanie Brown is confirmed to appear, and tonight, if you're listening to this on Sunday, episode of Batwoman... Um, about Clue Master. So we, Clue Master in the comics is like her father, who was like a disgraced game show host turned villain. So like now his all of his crimes are like in the form of like clues or whatever. And uh, Stephanie becomes spoiler to spoil all of his like crimes or um, to stop her father. So. She is like confirmed to be in this episode, and they released a photo of her. First thoughts on first look at Stephanie Brown? Shock. I was surprised that they're bringing her in at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's all. I don't know anything about, you know, what to expect really. So, but I am excited that she's here. Yeah, I like that we're expanding the Flash family. I think that's cool. Um, I, the bat, bat, the bat, the bat family. family. Yeah, the bat family. You know what? I've been saying Flash family a lot lately. Well, you know what? So. We did. There is some a lot of Flash family news because we That's got true. pictures of of Jordan and Jessica in their super suits. So Bart and Excess, Impulse and Excess, and Barry all doing stuff together. So see, Flash family shenanigans. Flash family shenanigans. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for Stephanie and I hope that we are going to get to see a lot more um, as the season's pass. Yep. So it's, uh, I mean, I guess whatever, however they resolve it, it's open for her to come back or pop in. So, you know, the same way that they have Julia pop in and then like ship her off to Berlin. Like you were drunk. Go, go back on your, your vacation. <laughs> um, and then finally, 
Um, no, not finally. We also got another first look. We got a first look at Kelly as Guardian on Supergirl. So, and Guardian will debut in the episode that Kelly co Kelly Azzy co-wrote. Um, six twelve. I can't remember the name of the the episode, uh, but one of the things that she put in there, um, there is a shot of Kelly coming out of an Ethiopian restaurant, and her mother, Azzy's mother, had always wanted to open the Ethiopian restaurant, and so it's been a part of like her, like a personal detail for for Azzy, and so putting that in there and making Kelly, um, not only you know, Kelly's first time being a superhero, but also the first, like, Ethiopian um, Etrian superhero. Eritrean, right? Eritrean, mm. yes, superhero. Um, was something that was really, like, culturally important to her, so I think that's cool. And the suit I looks agree. great. She mm-hmm. does look great. I love great. the outfit. Mm-hmm. I love the suit. My only question is, like, because I feel like she hasn't really gotten to do much so far this season, you'd think that we'd be getting a storyline about her preparing for this you know what I mean because it's one thing for James who at least Makad Brooks looks like he could beat your ass um (laughs) and now he does that in Mortal Kombat but I'm like can Kelly beat my ass how will (laughs) Kelly beat my ass (laughs) (laughs) well I feel like um you know I don't know if like she will talk you down military is (laughs) enough training to say that she could beat your ass but but just no. like to see, just to see it, you know, like yeah. I feel like, you know, yeah. like, yes, Kelly has the background, but we have not done anything with yeah. that background. And I, I don't know that Ozzy could, but I think I could take her, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> because she's challenge, ex- challenge like, accepted. So, so mm. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then, in DCEU news, um, Warner Brothers and their search for a black Superman. So this was kind of like brought up that they're kind of floating out this concept. And I think like early on people were assuming that um, Michael B. Jordan would be like a front runner. He's like, no, I'm not going to be in the front runner for like Superman, blah, 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 blah. Um, But we had other news like uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is going to write the script. and, And now they're searching for a director and they're looking at a couple of different black directors like Regina King. Um, I think. So Barry Jenkins is on there too. Yeah. That would be exciting. Um, yep. So in Stephen Capel Jr. And J.D. Dillard, it looks like, are on their short list. And so that is news in that they're looking for directors and moving forward with it but it's also kind of news because like immediately after ray fisher was like i mean i usually have to tweet before wb will will like release some kind of performative information (laughs) like this was our profit what's going on um so it's you know he he was like you know this is kind of performative that you're doing all the jump through all these hoops for a black superman black directors blah, blah 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 but you can't really treat the black people you already have on your payroll um, in an adequate manner, and then I think a lot of other um, fans and, and news reporters are like, "Well, what do we we have black superheroes in the DC, like minor characters that could use a lot of this shine instead of doing a black Clark Kent?" Which, 
you know, Tati and I were talking about this earlier, that we don't really, I don't think we exactly know that they're, like, race-bending Clark and, like, Henry Cavill's Clark will now become Black right. Superman, you know? Because there is, like, a canon Black Superman. Yeah, because they stated that it, this would this would be outside of the regular DCU. Right. Like a separate... But they're not, like, re- they're not redoing Clark Kent mm-hmm. as a Black man. And there is, like, a, a canon Black Superman in the comics from an all-Earth. So they could do that story um but i think a lot of people are just kind of like side-eyeing the wb at the moment um yeah i think because it came out so soon after the whole like jeff johns not wanting a black um like superman's grandfather so it's like that's true so you're trying to like uh, fix this i guess no but look we do have a black superman (laughs) coming up yeah okay so anyway keep your eyes on that and if we see something we will let you know about it um, but getting into, we have a massive uh, podcast. First one, first time in a long time since the the pandemic. We have five shows, um, so we'll give you our joys, no joys, feedback um, that we've gotten from listeners, and then we'll crown Lady with Gumption of the Week. Tati has the great pleasure <laughs> of guiding <laughs> us through this week's uh, slate of episodes. So, Tati, take it away. All right, we are starting off on side A. With Legends of Tomorrow and Batwoman, Space Girl, Slash, Dearly Departed, and then the third thing, Assurances, is Black Lightning. Okay, so, in our season premiere of Legends of Tomorrow, after a night of partying in London 1977, following the last few minutes of season five, Ava wakes with her head in the toilet and realizes that Sarah is missing. The team then learns from David Bowie that she was going to propose to Ava, but was abducted by aliens. And in her honor, he writes, Space Girl. They try to contact the Dio, but, whoops, the Dio was destroyed in last season of Supergirl. So instead, Constantine and Zari Tarazi um, and Astra have to work out their own way of contacting Sarah. Constantine tries to use his little magic powers, fails, but that's okay, because at least he can hook up with Zari. Um, however, he does also discover a human chrysalis in Gary's room, and glasses that will transform the wearer. So we learned that Gary was just an alien all along, this whole time. It's just alien Gary, and that's why he was so weird. It's a very bad episode of Men in Black. <laughs> <laughs> On the other side, Rob, it takes so much from Men in Black, you're so right, because they already have the memory thing. Right? Uh, yeah. Or is that... Yeah, that is Men in Black, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, Bayrod, meanwhile, uh, reads up on a girl named Esperanza Cruz, who claimed she was abducted by aliens and could now communicate with them. So, he and Mick go to recruit her. They end up getting knocked out for the troubles. So, Ava and the whole Wave Rider ship have to go there, which she thinks is an alien invasion. But then the power of love convinces Spooner, as she likes to be called, to help them locate Sarah. Except, instead, it just they're going to have a whole bunch of more aliens coming their way. Um, because... On the spaceship, Sarah escaped from her containment pod. She freed Himbo Spartacus. Uh, he got eaten by the boss of the ship and Gary's fiance. Apparently her name was Kayla. Uh, and so then Sarah has to team up begrudgingly with Gary, the alien, uh, in order to escape. Because he loves humanity so much, he doesn't want them to be, you know, experimented on anymore or whatever the hell was going to happen to Sarah Eaton or whatever was going on. He's just like, okay, I will help you escape, Sarah. And she's like, we will talk about this at home. But they can't get home because they tried to open a, a wormhole to go back to Earth's temporal zone. But instead, all of the pods fell out. 
and they did not. So now they are just hurtling towards another planet, and Ava is no closer to becoming Mrs. Lance. <laughs> and that's what you missed on Glee. So what uh, brought joy from this episode of Legends of Tomorrow? It was a really strong uh, season six premiere. You know, it's been so long since we've had Legends, since like last spring, that, you know, they got away with not having a shortened season. Um, so it was great to have them back. And I think, the, you know, I was concerned about how they would do the whole alien thing in general, because I'm like, this is outer, 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 out of this world. I cannot speak. Um, but I think that they handled it pretty well. I didn't even realize Tara would be a part of the episode for as long as she did. And, you know, she had her own side story going on and teaming up with like you said, himbo Spartacus <laughs> was really fun. Um, and I think that, you know, especially with like last episode of Supergirl and this episode of uh, Legends are really going for the weird alien versions than we're used to. Um, not like just the humanoid where we really have like feelings. We're just the strange aliens from outer space that are coming here to wreak havoc. Um and I think that they did a really good job with it overall. Especially loved um, Ava kind of sending the team away to do their own thing, knowing exactly what it was that they were going to do and her little neat checklist over That's it too. Um, and her being obviously so concerned. <laughs> She's like, let Mick, Mick get drunk and tell, you know, he decides to be useful. Um, it shows how much she understands how the lessons work this night nowadays. Yeah, so, you know, she's being a great leader, and she's she's had since last season to kind of come into her own as a leader, and that's really showing in this episode, so proud of Ava for doing all of that. Um, and then also the fact that she was sort of um, Sarah's own version of a lightning rod. She's like, come back, Sarah, I will marry you, you have to keep fighting. Aww. <laughs> so that was really sweet. Um, and I also liked it, because I wasn't expecting the proposal at all, so the fact that they introduced it through a video from the past, like, the day before or something um, was actually, you know, very legends of them to do. And I actually did like it. Um, and the fact that she accepted it, even though they're not even in the same vicinity right now, so it's like a promise of, you know, coming back to each other, which was very sweet. And of course, Constancy, they have my heart, love their flirting, love all the shenanigans they've gotten up to. And like the fact that, you know, Constantine is very into Zari and he doesn't really want to admit it to himself. Um, it's just really cute to see this like softer side of him and the fact that they're getting along. They don't think it's like long term, but clearly it could go that way. Um, so I loved seeing all of that development there and I did not expect it to be so much of it, which was very nice. Um, Gary's reveal as an alien is good and bad. The good is that it explains Gary, I guess. <laughs> because <laughs> like oh okay i mean i guess i i understood where they were coming from <laughs> with that reveal so that made sense um what else there was just like so much to enjoy about this episode in general it was like well paced they had some great fighting scenes with sarah and the aliens like putting her you know kidnapping her because she's like an elite human being warrior <laughs> to good use in this episode um but also causing the fact that they were like threw the aliens into the temporal zone, um, whatever they call it, um, making it so that aliens will now appear in different times and they have to take care of that before they can actually get to Sarah 
was clever because now it's like an excuse for why they didn't just bring Sarah back this episode. Um, but yeah, like all the character dynamics are on point in general, and I'm really looking forward to what the rest of the season will bring. Yeah, I agree with you that this. I think this was a, a really um, solid opening that kind of hit all of its like narratives and where it wants to go. Um, I, I really like the beginning, the opening with like, because I think like the most out of character in the opening was Ava being hungover over the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> like I think she was like the most like out of it. So I like how they like retraced their steps and they picked up legends along the way of where they left them off the night before. Um, so I thought that was that was really like a nice way to pick it up um, and kind of also like recap where they've all been doing. Um, the Avalanche surprise proposal I thought was really, really sweet. And it added to the audience, like, emotional investment of, oh, my God, Sarah's gone. And she was torn away right before, like, the greatest moment of their lives. And we have to get her back, you know. And it heightened the stakes for Ava of wanting to rescue Sarah because, like, it was going to be the start of her life. And it was going to be beautiful. And now she's gone. And I have to get her back, you know. So, and, like, aliens took her. I must get my, my future wife. So there's like a lot of like emotional investment in the beginning and wanting to save her and find out what happened to Sarah. I love the whole, her whole process of like, you know, it's like a, a dire situation that they find out about. And then Ava disappears for like however long and comes back with binders of stuff. Like, what were you, this is an emergency. Ava, what are you doing making binders? And like the whole like reveal that she, made the binders because she knows that they weren't going to follow the binders so it's just like you know she has to play her part and predictably all the legends will do their parts and somehow it'll all work out so like her little checklist and like you know it just kind of shows her growth from the first time that we met her and being like so rigid to you know coming on to the wave rider after the time bureau um closed down and, you know, stepping into her role as, like, co-captain or whatever. Um, just how much she's learned about how legends do things and how to adapt to that style. So I thought that was great. Um, she's, like, getting them to do what she wants to do without telling them that she wants them to do it. So <laughs> it was a, it's a better approach than just being, like, mad when they don't do exactly what she wants when she wants it. So that was cool. Um, Constancy, I loved what we got of them. Even though John was being, like, a little weird. Like, he's, like... Uh, <laughs> I'm, Emotions, I'm, I'm no. Cool. Yeah, I'm too cool to be in a relationship, but I'll still drink this green juice. Sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. So, I, I mean, I liked, um, I liked them together. I also liked that that Zari and Astra had a little bit of uh, time to bond, because um, you know when John fails in the beginning, it's the women that kind of pull together a plan. Um, Zari specifically had the go-to like Asher, you have connections, let's use utilize those. And so she was able to pick up where John kind of left off. And I also like that she saved him. Like when he was um doing the ritual and it was about to kill him, she's like, you need to stop. And uses like the um wind charms. Power of wind compels you. <laughs> Just save him. Um <laughs> So I need him to, like, stop being weird and just, like, let it happen. Let love happen, John. Um, I loved Astra. I thought that she was great, even though she was, like, so reluctant. Like, I, like, she, in it last season, wanting to live in the real world and and be done. 
And then she only came back for, for this. And so now she's like done again. But I assume like, I like after being in hell for like most of your life, I feel like normal life is going to get boring really quickly. So I feel like we'll see her again soon. So it doesn't bother me that, that much. Um, but I, I like her relationship with John still, um, you know, so him, Zari and Asher is just like a little good combination. Um, and I thought Spooner was really interesting. I like that she is clearly like a brown Latina. Um, so representation-wise, I like her addition for that. But I also think that um, she was just really, you know, she's she's kind of like in the Legends wheelhouse of, of Zany and that she was very paranoid <laughs> of <laughs> the Legends. And, you know, like Ava had this whole speech and like trying to tug at her heart. She's like, nope still suspicious <laughs> and so she kind of get like caught into it and there's this whole thing about like um is she just crazy like you know the crazies they're saying that there's aliens and whatever um but like when Gideon looks at her head there's nothing there but she definitely does have this connection with aliens so there's an interesting thing for her backstory that like, there's a little gap that she doesn't she hasn't been like physically altered but there is something there so um, I'm I'm interested to see how she'll fit in with the Legends crew and who she gets along with the best. Um, Behrad was her first introduction and kind of like um, ship buddy. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see like who she kind of gravitates to and, and where those relationships form. So that was cool. I support. I support. Um, overall, I you know, I, th- I thought it was a very strong um, intro to the season. I was a little bit like, what are we going to do about aliens? Like, Supergirls already does aliens every week. And, you know, we've been moving away from the sci-fi elements, if you will, of Legends and more to just, like, magical fantasy land or spirits or whatever. So this is an interesting turn. But I think that the way that they did it was fun. Like, you know, like, okay, they got they got Supergirl out of the way. <laughs> and now they're just going to handle aliens the Legends way. Um, and I really loved that opening sequence. First off, that we have sort of, like, Mick as the straight man, who's, like, tired of this shit already. Because <laughs> normally he'd be the one that's, like, I mean, and he still is, like, I don't really care. I don't want to do anything. Okay, I'm going to go now. But it's just, like, funny that he is now the one that isn't doing the silly or ridiculous things. And he's, he's the responsible else. one. That's exactly. scary. Now he's the dad. He's the dad now. It's the crazy. Doesn't make any sense. You know what that is? Gross. Gross. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so that's fun. But then also the way that they just so gracefully or eloquently handled like the reintroductions to all the characters, like here's where everyone's at, you know? Here's what you missed. <laughs> no time has passed for them, but a year has passed for you. So we thought we'd let you know what, what people are up to. Um and they did that both with like, let's check in on where everyone is right now, you know, oh there's Nate explaining his love life explaining what happened to the last zari to david bowie alone exactly (laughs) and then there's the new zari hooking up with constantine you know etc so like we got to catch up with everyone through um ava's search for sarah and then furthermore through ava's awesome binder (laughs) um to you know to show that she knew what everyone was going to do, but also to show, like, any audience that might be tuning in, ready to watch, like, this is the kind of characters that you're dealing with. So that was really nice. I enjoyed the whole sequence. My favorite part was probably Bayrod talking to the palace guard, 
to the to the Buckingham Palace, you know. <laughs> and she's like, we've really bonded. I was like, okay. Um, also, of course, I just in general love Space Cadet Bowie. Just like Bowie was like, let me write this song about this girl. Um, so that was fun. And then uh, Himbo Extraordinaire Spartacus was also great. I love that because he's, you know, a legendary leader, if you will. And yet Sarah easily bests him as a leader in the couple of things that we see them. So it's like, again, we're like seeing Sarah's strengths without it being, I mean, it literally it was made it over. seem like, it, did, did they like make up stories about him? Was he just like, he didn't feel like he fights at all. <laughs> right, right. I think it was like, sort of like, oh, well, I guess legends were exaggerated, right? <laughs> His team wrote the history. They're like, we'll make this man so great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Also, I did I did enjoy just like how eager Gary was to help and his whole <laughs> his whole like I fell in love with you and Ava and all of humanity. And then also when she goes, you know, um, tell me everything about the ship. And so of course he starts talking about Ava Lance. I was like, I see. Yes, legends, I understand. Um, and also I did love like Sarah just kind of like being so annoyed at Gary, but then also just kind of like okay, well it's just Gary, so. <laughs> This is understandable. Um, I, like all of you, love Constance Z, but I have to say, it wasn't just Constance, it just wasn't Constantine who was being a little weird. At first, Zari was also like, yeah, we're just hooking up, this is just, like, casual, you know, like, whatever. And Constantine was like, oh, okay. So, like, I feel like if she had not said that, if she had been like, we're married now, or whatever, and he'd be like, okay, I guess, that's cool, too. But, they're both liars! <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're both liars. But yes, I did, and I and I do love the dynamic with Ava. I love Ava. Why did I say Ava? Astra. Astra. I love that Astra was like, you know, I can see through you basically, right? Like she has you on a juice cleanse. I'm pretty sure that it's not casual. You're not just like hooking up. Um, but they were being super cute the whole episode. Like you know, just like you know, I love to watch you walk away type of uh, interactions. So I really enjoy them. Um, Ava Lance on the on the flip side was very romantic outwardly expressively romantic um i am looking forward to their reunion and i did love like you said how ava got to be like the lightning rod or like the inspiration the motivation to fight on to fight on as sarah i, like, um, I don't want what kind of rock did sarah buy right I was, does it have powers what's going on <laughs> how does she but, like cut through <laughs> but i guess it was just like really you know hard diamonds just like only the best for you, babe. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was that was cool too. Um, and I think Spooner Spooner was a fun addition. I liked seeing her reactions to Bayrod and Mick, and then now uh, Ava. So I look forward to what she's going to bring to the table and how she's going to interact with them. What did not bring joy? <laughs> um, Gary's thing with the whole Caleb being his fiance. <laughs> know why i just thought that was even weirder than him being an alien to be honest i'm like okay this is overkill we don't need to do all of this too because we've already established that you know he's an alien but also i guess the insinuation that because he was super weird because all the legends are weird but the fact that his weird was alien weird i'm like okay Mm. i guess (laughs) um so yeah it's not necessarily a dislike but just like hmm where were your thought process is interesting here um what else i can't like i don't think that anything else really didn't spark joy the rest of the episode was pretty great i guess like not necessarily knowing like we know why sarah was kidnapped but not necessarily knowing 
why why she was kidnapped like okay she's an elite warrior or whatever or but like what is the to. purpose yeah exactly so were they gonna clone her were they gonna eat her and then whoever yeah. ate her would become her like what was gonna go on were they sending her to like battle world or something i don't know <laughs> so that being a little iffy and i know that they're holding on to that for the future so yeah i think that was pretty much it the mm-hmm. whole gary reveal was like fine but also over the top in yeah. an unnecessary way. I think that's where I landed on it too. Like the whole Gary reveal that he was actually alien, I thought was a little lame. Because I feel like they could have done real, like scary aliens and the aliens act like Gary accidentally got <laughs> kidnapped along with Sarah would have been hilarious because it was Gary. It was just like <sighs> But um the fact that he was an alien, I I thought like it it lowers the stakes drastically because obviously Gary is not going to do anything to Sarah. Um, the fact that Kayla was his boss and his fiance it just makes Gary look even shittier for how long he left Kayla <laughs> and didn't talk to her and right. cheated on her <laughs> with John, <laughs> with Constantine, and whoever knows else. So <laughs> Gary just looks like shit. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I just feel like I would have rather had the real a real alien threat. And Gary, <laughs> you know, if you if they want to like find a way to include Gary, then you know him getting accidentally abducted would be the most Gary thing ever. Um, or if they were looking for the quintessential human, they could have been looking for Gary. <laughs> He's like the most. <laughs> <Not> true. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just accidentally took Sarah. <laughs> yeah, and then like minorly, just because I hate Nate, I didn't like that he was like bothering Bully <laughs> with his love life issues. I'm like, give it up, Nate. Like, go. <laughs> Give Still it a rest. After, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me being a hater. So <laughs> coordinate cannot keep a girl. They're just like, no, I gotta go to my totem. I gotta go to my timeline. I'm sorry. I can't be here. <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't know if I'm even more offended now that he didn't even bring up like you know, um his previous like yeah. love interest because that was the love of his life as well. So you're so right. You're so right. We'll see. That's why they leave you, Nate, because you don't even care about them long after they go. <laughs> he was like, who's Amaya? I don't know that name. Um, so anyway, I will say that even though I understand why they did it, and I was like, okay, we're going to do le- Aliens Legend style, I did think that it was a little bit like lame that they just like gave up on contacting Supergirl that quickly. They're like, oh, the DO, the DO was destroyed. Okay, well, moving on. And I was like, I mean, there is the tower, right? There are did, still aliens. Did, like, John just not tell them about the tower. <laughs> Right. Also, they have the whole, you know, Justice League yeah, thing. Right. So. There's so many people they could have called. <laughs> and so it's a little bit like, okay, like, like they literally had a crossover to get together to deal with aliens. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, I understand it was just like shorthand, but it really did feel like it was like the bare minimum <laughs> to be able to do this without a crossover. You know, like, okay, how can we just be like, no, sorry, we can't do it. Gotta go. Um, but anyway, aside from that, I I. The only other thing is, like, I don't like that Astra wants to go live her life elsewhere. I'm like, live your life on screen, Astra. Come back. <laughs> but, but you know, Jessica has already convinced me with what she previously said, that Astra will be back because she will find normal life boring. And I am so glad to hear that. Um, also, I will agree with you guys that Gary being an alien, sure, like, whatever. <laughs> I don't buy it, A. And then B... It does drastically lower the stakes. It would be much 
I mean, it would be equally as funny. Like, I don't think there's anything particularly that funny about Gary being an alien. I've been like, oh, LOL, because he was weird. He's very weird, and it's because he's an alien. Um, but it makes a lot of things about him confusing. Like, it doesn't, like, it doesn't add to his characterization. Oh, like, the fact that his glasses, like, his whole body is like a mirage or camouflage or hologram or whatever. But in, what was it, season three, when the unicorn, like, bit off his nipple? Right. <laughs> like, that was, like, a real dimple. <laughs> so what happened to that? <laughs> we should see his alien body and see if it's missing True. a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> they spent a season trying Hot to get hole. that nipple back. Yeah, there's right. a lot of You're plot right. holes in this. See exactly. So I'm like, I don't like. I get it, but I'm also like, like Jessica said, you don't need to do that. You could have found another way around it to have Gary there, and it could have even been like Gary had like invited the aliens somehow. You know, like, oh well, I had a pen pal. Oh, I forgot yeah. my pen pal was an alien. Yeah. You know, and now no, we're engaged. Be a very and thing to do. <laughs> you know, like that would have been funny too. But oh well, it's fine. Um, so, um, <clears throat> moving on from our dislikes, uh, I believe we have feedback. We do have feedback. We have feedback from Shang and I believe Suara. Um, Shang says, hey there, lovely ladies. So, yeah, this is his plea for y'all to watch Wilds. It was so fucking good. Trigger, trigger warnings, but, um, and then he also won Shadow and Bone. So I think we've got you one and two on deck, boo. Um, but going into his Legends feedback, um, she's not lost. She's just pre-found. <laughs> Um, I love Ava so much. Honestly, it's so crazy that we really went from what a bitch to Captain Lance, huh? It was a pretty good start to the season. What is their budget? Because they had more alien CGI in one app than the whole uh, of Stargirl season five, an actual show about aliens. Uh, being an Avenger is stupid. I'm a preventer. I love that line too. Um, yeah. (laughs) When, um, Sarah was talking to Spartacus about their plans. He's like, I must avenge. He's like, no, we do not avenge. We prevent. So I, I agree with you that, Shang. Um, and then he also says, I didn't like the twist about Gary being an alien, to be honest. I got that they needed someone close to them to be an alien, but uh, it felt quite ignorant of them to use their Jewish character to be an alien. Isn't it kind of anti-Semitic? There was a conspiracy theory about Jewish people being lizard people slash aliens, right? Oh my god. And it just perpetuates the stereotype of Jewish, Jewish people being weird. I'm not Jewish, so I don't know what to really think. Um, so that's, you know, I guess that's another interesting way to look at it, of Gary being othered to the point that he's actually an alien. Um, so that's, yeah. Yeah, definitely hadn't thought of that. That's, yeah. And then he also says, finally, LMAO. I think the writers thought too hard about that either. (laughs) Probably not. Um, But he's like, LMAO, they brought up the DEO and the fact that it got destroyed. (laughs) Okay, but then don't they know how to call the watchtower now? Or is it John and Alex not picking up any calls now that Kara's gone missing? Yes, that is a plot hole, Shane, that they have not addressed. Um, Then Suara... Tell us. It's loading. <laughs> His feedback is loading. <laughs> Such strange acceleration. Okay. Um, he says, hello, ladies. Legends made a welcome and long overdue return. I was surprised that we had Sarah so focused in this episode, but I honestly think it was balanced well with the other teammates' screen time. 
Ava was so great, and she's really grown into her own as a leader. Love that Constant Z is still happening, even though it, for now, is only no strings attached. But it was still great to see my fave, Tala, sorry, continues to shine bright in every scene that she's in. The twist that Gary was, eh, to me, but I'm interested in where it goes. I'm just so tired of the hyper-focus on this character, who sometimes is used well. And I hope that the, that continues this season. Just a little milder on the Gary flavor, please. <laughs> but anyway, I love Esperanza Cruz, and I already ship her with Behrad. I, I feel like I feel like there's something there. You know, we'll see. This is all great couples meet when one of them ties the other down. I'm feeling excited for where the season <laughs> of Legends goes, and can't wait to hear y'all's thoughts. So that is Shang. Thank you, Shang, and thank you, Swara. No, sorry, that was Swara, but thank you, Shang yeah. and Swara. <laughs> <laughs> for your thoughts. Who are they? Who are you? <laughs> um, and I think that was it. Yep. Sexy. So, um, <laughs> do we have any predictions based on this episode? I can never predict the show, so, you know. <laughs> right. Will you predict when Mick will leave the show? <laughs> At least in season six, right? So, presumably... Yeah, he won't be around through. for season seven, so I assume they're, like, gearing up to exit him maybe he'll just and he has a daughter now so it's like a great excuse to leave well, he's had several to leave and that's he's true still here, so <laughs> but now we have confirmation <laughs> yes but no no predictions at this no i got nothing yeah no nothing i mean i no no nothing i i do predict i'm with my with my crystal ball I am envision that they will indeed rescue Sarah in the end, and that or will she season... rescue herself? Oh no! Ooh, ooh. <laughs> that's true. Who's got money on her rescuing herself? I I feel like there's got to be like a moment of Ava helping though. You know, we got to have like a romantic moment. She there. got her out the the crypto freezer. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Maybe that's enough. Higher Maybe freezer. that's enough. Yeah. I definitely am sure that no one else will be rescuing Sarah. It'll either be Ava or Sarah herself. Sarah. Well, <laughs> So, uh, now we're going to go on to Batwoman. <laughs> Batwoman. Mm-mm. Black Mask finally reveals his plan to Enigma, uh, which is to make the heavily bandaged Kate become his daughter, Cersei Sionis, with the help of Enigma's little magical forget-me-dust. And then also, I guess, memory implantation dust. Um, so, now Kate believes she is Cersei. And she's even got a weird, creepy mask that is a replica of his late daughter's face. Congrats to her. Meanwhile, uh, the False Faces Society, False Faces Society, uh, tases Alice, abducts Ocean after their steamy night, and thus uh, forces Alice to team up with Batwoman uh, in order to rescue both Angelique and Ocean, who are currently being forced to host a cooking show together on YouTube. Not really, but they are being recorded cooking the snake bite. <clears throat> Ocean is shot during the rescue mission, but it's fine. He's okay. And apparently he's been talking about his girl the whole time. So, yay, Alice and Ocean. Um, and Cersei captures Alice. But because Ryan is still mad that uh, Alice killed her mom by default, she just leaves her there. She's like, I guess die. <laughs> so then she goes. Um, so uh, Alice almost does die. But instead, uh, it is decided that Cersei Kate will take Alice to the basement. And I don't know what's going to happen there. Hopefully, sisterly bonding. Yeah, bad stuff, but then sisterly bonding. Um, meanwhile, Sophie and the Bat Team, or Team Bat, the Bat Team, I don't know, 
uh, are trying to erase the DNA sample of Ryan's DNA from the Crow's database. Um, in the process, Sophie learns that Jacob is on snakebite. And so she eventually warns Mary, who was previously excited that her dad had given the distracted go-ahead to open up her clinic without any real oversight. But it turns out that he was just high on drugs. And that is why he did that. <laughs> or rather, maybe like with, in withdrawal from the drugs. I don't know. He was just, he was not all there either way. Um, and uh, Sophie does have to, first, she was trying to get rid of the Batwoman DNA, but she could not. Because there was like 500 criminals in there and they were like numbers instead of names. So instead, she found Ryan's DNA and got rid of it. Because she is smart. Um, and then finally, free from false face society, Angelique is like, hey, I'm going to witness protection. You should come with me. And Ryan is like, I can't. Because I think <laughs> Gotham is so great. I can't leave. And Angelique is like, that makes no sense. And Ryan is like, I can't tell you I'm a bad woman. So I just look stupid. And Luke is like, okay, I guess we're breaking up for the 15th time. And that was the end of that. So what uh, was the joy in your heart from this episode? I like this episode. I thought it was like fun. Um, the Alice and Ryan team up was actually pretty enjoyable. Um, I didn't know how that dynamic was going to go, but I thought they were really uh, good together. They have both have like romantic motivating factors and both play fast and loose with the rules. Um, when said romantic interest is in danger. So they kind of it's it's so funny because they're kind of like similar in the way that they approach things. Um, and it's it's really funny when you compare like Ryan's disaster team up with Sophie the week before and how like Sophie was all like Ryan no and Ryan's like Ryan yes, and now it's like Alice yes and Ryan yes. So they're both like just going off of off the wall and I wonder I do wonder like I feel like there were some points in their team up when Alice was doing like stupid shit and Ryan was like oh my god is this what I was like with Sophie you know or just like <laughs> realizing what it means to be in a team up with someone that does not listen to you at all um so I thought that was funny uh I think she and Alice bounced off of each other a lot better um, but then, of course, like all good things don't last and Ryan holds grudges super hard <laughs> and does not save people um, that saved her. So grudges and loopholes is, is Ryan's motto. Um, although it was sad, I was happy that um, Ryan Angelique, <laughs> I don't know what their ship name is, but um, I was happy with how it came to the end to its like conclusion because you know like I've gone back and forth on my feelings about the story and why does she have to like you know some people are just like not gonna be with you on your journey and that's okay like why couldn't she still be like a fuck up and that's just who she is but um and that's not the story that they chose to tell but I do like that the way that it ended um because Angelique's turn towards the light is genuine and I feel like it represents a good life story for both of them, like from where they both came from and the similar circumstances and growing up and like, you know, being led down the wrong path. And now they both have a second chance at life and living in the light. So um, I do like that. That's how it happened. Um, and that it's like a, a genuine thing. So you can sleep well knowing that Angelique is someone that Ryan cares about and she is on a better path. Um, and Ryan can also sleep well knowing that Angelique is turned towards the light. So 
I think it's a good ending for them. Um, and I think it's like uh, the reason to break up, even though it seems like ridiculous, like Ryan can't really say I have to stay here because I'm Batwoman. I already have a job. Um, it, you know, I, it, the whole it came about organically or it seemed organic in the narrative that she's going into witness protection. Obviously, she doesn't want to stay in Gotham because there's a lot of like bad shit in Gotham for Angelique and wanting Ryan to go with her was um a realistic reason and Ryan wanted to stay not only because of she's Batwoman but also because of the stuff that she wants to um initiate in the the community with like her legacy and building up Gotham and saving it from itself um was also kind of like realistic so I was happy with the way that it ended um Sophie finding a way to save Batwoman's identity without destroying like thousands of other criminal samples, I thought was um, very clever of her. And it can only happen because she knows that Ryan is Batwoman. Because um, I think like when the situation first came up, I'm like, why can't Luke just erase Ryan's criminal record? Like he can hack the system. But I guess if he did hack the system and erased it. And later, like, Sophie's like, well, why isn't Ryan in the system anymore? Then that, I don't know if that's right. the reasoning. Or, it felt, or they might have known there was a hack. You know, they could tell it's coming from the outside. Yeah. It felt like a like a, a loophole or, or like a, a plot hole that that wouldn't have been the first thing that Luke thought of. But we can kind of cover it with the fact that probably eventually someone would find out that, specifically Sophie would find out that she's not in the system. And then she would connect it to what Luke did. But in this situation she did know who Ryan was. And so she was able to do that. So like the roles were reversed. Um, so I like that, that she thought of that. And because um, when they, when they like all of the, the numbers came up and they're like the question of, do we delete these or not? I feel like Luke was probably leaning towards just delete, them, <laughs> delete everybody. Um, so I like that, that <laughs> the crisis was averted. So that was good. Um, good for Sophie. Uh, let's see. I also like that Sophie discovered the snake bite because, like, like that has to happen sometime soon. And with her being in Jacob's office, I'm glad that she was able to find it. And I also like that she brought it to Mary and she pushed it. Like, Mary was just, like, brushing it off and be like, that is, like, no. But she kept pushing it. Like, you need to talk to your dad. So... I like that she persisted in that storyline, even though Mary was like trying to be like, no. Um, I like that we actually get to see Kate this episode. <laughs> Welcome to the story, Kate. Um, kind of like we don't see her face, but I like that she's finally back in the storyline and we have um, actual answers on what that storyline is. I think the mask was clever because technically I still don't think she has a face yet, whether it's from the plane crash or whatever they've been doing with her torturing her. She doesn't have a face. Like, her face is fucked up. So, I like. I thought the mask was very clever. I liked the Cersei and Ryan fight because I thought it was real choreographed. And, like, Wallace said, it was her first thing on set. So, that's kind of, like, interesting just to see them right off the bat getting into this fight. Um, I like that Cersei had an edge over Ryan, especially because we know it's Kate. Because there's just, like, this, like, Kohai-senpai thing going on with, like, Kate being the original and you know ryan's still technically like learning the ropes and you kind of can feel that in the way that they're fighting 
um, I like that Alice actually saved Ryan, <laughs> but the response was was is going to go in my dislikes. But I like that there was like a Alice felt the bond and she responded accordingly. So I thought that was a good moment because Ryan was about to to bite the dust. So that was cool. <laughs> Yes, agreed. Um, I also really like this episode. I think it was very strong in terms of how they handled Sophie finding out about Ryan and then not immediately coming to her and being like, I know you're Batwoman. She played it safe. She did what she could to save um, you know, her identity from this psycho crow man who just happened to appear last week. Um, and I think that she did a great job because she like through this episode Sophie is showing like the writing her very smart. She has got the skills. She knows her organization really well. Like she knows the ins and outs of that stuff. So the fact that she was working alone and alongside like Luke and Mary to make sure that Ryan's identity was safe was great. I love that Mary showed up too to be like, this is why I'm here. So she's going to go distract her dad and take him to her clinic, which was nice because we did get that middle ground. I think somebody asked on Tumblr about how, <laughs> like how they're doing this with regards to Mary not having anybody who's licensed there. And now you sort of get the best bo- of both worlds in this situation, even though, like you said, the only reason Jacob said yes is because he's not all there. <laughs> but it did work, and I'm very proud of her. Um, she's still doing what she needs to do, even though she's, you know, she's got to also do what she needs to do by avoiding all the loopholes or going through the loopholes to maintain uh, her status with the clinic. So great use of money, Mary. Very proud. I'm also very proud of Sophie just for like handling herself and handling the situation. I think it could have gone, gone a number of different ways. And I'm glad that she was all, she also protected herself while protecting Ryan. So all of that turned out really great. I also liked the, um, Ryan and Alice team up because we've seen them at odds for the whole show so far um, for the whole season and the fact that they they do have a lot more similarities than one would think is very interesting at least when it comes to the love department like oh Alice didn't think that she would you know actually put her life on the line for Ocean considering he's the man that also that she killed um, in cold blood but then she's like you know I changed my mind I didn't like the fact that he was kidnapped (laughs) So I'm going to go after him. And the same thing with Ryan going after Angelique. And I liked what you said, Jess, about, you know, how their relationship came to a nice end and the fact that they didn't have to end up with each other just Mm -hmm. because they were, you know, their ride or die going up and they were always there for each other and things like that. That sometimes when you are in a not, you're not on the same page, your life's sort of going in different directions. You can respect that person. You can love that person for what they did for you and that, they were a big part of a previous chapter of your life Mm -hmm. and also accept the fact that you don't have to go forward with them just because you feel loyal to them. Um, So I thought that was really great and really healthy and very mature. Um, So I do like that they did that and it sort of did end in a way where it's like the door is permanently closed because she's going to witness protection, but it didn't end with them being mad at each other or, you know, having any bad blood between them. So it was really a nice uh, sort of bittersweet ending to their story, which I really liked. Um, and of course, like Ryan had did have good reasons. And I think that she didn't tell like Angelique that she was Batwoman, not necessarily because she didn't trust Angelique, but because if she had told her Angelique would have probably stayed 
potentially, you know, and that she didn't really want that for her either because she did want her to start her life outside of Mm. Gotham. She had her own big break, you know, she was going to leave it all behind and start fresh. And she did want that for her because she did love her so deeply. So that was really nice too. Um, What else? I do like uh, Kate's introduction. I think it was clever that they didn't show her face. It's like they're, they're teasing us, even though we already know what she looks like, (laughs) Um, which is, Again, but we whole, don't know how she looks. Yes, like that's she true. <laughs> yeah, so I think that was really great bringing back Black Mask and having her like the the way that she's now like his. You know, she thinks that she's his daughter. Super creepy. Um, but I think that was like a clever twist in the story. Yeah, I was gonna say we still don't know how she supposedly killed his daughter, but that's that's something else for another day. <laughs> Um, yeah I think that's it just strong episode all around very enjoyable great character dynamics and nice end to the Angelique and Ryan ship (laughs) Uh, I thought it was a very good episode I think it's definitely I don't know there have been a lot of strong episodes this season so I can't even say if it was like this is one of the strongest episodes this season because there have been so many just been just had a good run Um, uh, but I do I do really like how the different storylines lined up I really liked Sophie going to bat for the team and that woman despite the fact that uh Ryan was like not that (laughs) not that excited for her help but Sophie still uh you know went with it I like that getting to have hear her conversations with you know Luke and Mary and them working together to find the issue to find the solution I did love that she had a different alternate alternative to Luke's well just let them all go um (laughs) uh thought um and also that the fact that she got to gloat uh in front of what's his face whose name i cannot ever remember Tavrov. that man i loved that she was like oh no did someone make a mistake what happened I can't <laughs> did you count your chickens before they hatched oh, yeah no. exactly yeah <laughs> that was great um also like that she was the one to figure out or discover it's not like he was doing a very good job hiding it but to discover uh jacob's current problem and she went to mary with it because you know she knows that mary cares and should if anyone can do something about it it would be mary so that was a nice um entry entry into a family storyline for mary and jacob and yes i did like that jacob had made the effort you know to just accept what what mary was going to give him for the hospital did he though well, you know, was he, he trying went, to like hurry her along so he could listen, like get his fix? He went there in the first place, is what I mean. Okay, you know, like he obviously was not all there, but whatever part of him was there went <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> and I did like when he was like, "If that means you're going to take my calls, okay, whatever, do what you want." <laughs> that felt very dad of him. That was very, <laughs> very realistic. Um, so anyway, um, aside from that, um, I did really like the Ryan and Alice team up. <laughs> at first um and i liked how it was juxtaposed with uh you know ocean and angelique just being like super awkward about their uh <laughs> their situation that they were in um i also did love when angelique said that ocean had just been talking about his girl all night or whatever and i was like oh that's cute um <laughs> how crazy she is <laughs> yeah how great right she's like uh she's a psycho let's yes. talk about ocean i did think i did think this was a really cool introduction to kate even though we don't meet her as Kate yet, right? But by the time that she'll get back to being Kate, having, you know, Wallace Day's face or whatever, 
I feel like it'll just be easy to just accept that she's a different person now because of literally all we've seen her go through, right? She was in the plane crash, and then she was, like, being amnesiac, I don't know, whatever. She was being held for months by Black Mask, then her memories were erased, they were replaced with another person's memories, she got a gross mask face. I'm sure that Alice being there now, I like how I'm just putting my predictions in there, but who cares? There's my predictions because I like what I'm envisioning as I watch. Um, will be the one to give her her new face because she's got that ability. Uh, so, yeah. It's all looking interesting and good. <laughs> what uh, was not looking interesting or good? Jacob's ass. <laughs> like, he's just getting <laughs> off my last fucking nerve. Like, every time he raises his voice, like, when he was yelling at Sophie and um, just, like, barking at her, I was just like, I swear to fucking God, if you don't get away from, like, this situation, I'm gonna lose it. He just, like, my eye twitches and just, like, it's not, it's not a good thing. And it's a continuation from last week. And I think it's, like, the writers were just be like, when Sophie went to tell Mary about his addiction, she's like, and he was yelling at me today. And that was just like out of character for him. Like he yelled at her last week. Like when it, like, and obviously he was like tweaking then, but like when, when, where was the soft Jacob? Like I've never seen like, you know, season one, he fired her for talking to Batwoman, suspended her for like whatever. So it's just like, how OOC is it really for him to be like this? And, you know, I don't know. When is enough enough for Jacob? Um, so, yeah. Whatever. He He's just, like, the worst. And he's on one. And I hope that... I really do hope that next episode, Mary's going to, like, talk to him. And then he'll, like, flip. And then we can be, you know, lock him in Arkham or something. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever needs to happen for him to, like, be off the screen would be great. Thanks. <laughs> um what else uh ryan damn girl just like leaving alice to die at the hands of cersei was really harsh um because they like low-key bonded like i know she killed her mom and like in tv in real world you know fuck that girl forever but in tv world because of situations and they like low-key bonded Alice did take some accountability. Like, she remembered Ryan's mom. Like, after claiming that she didn't, she's, like, she remembered her and gave some kind of, like, depth to um, Ryan's mom as a person. And she literally just saved Ryan from being killed by Cersei. And I feel like previously when Ryan tried to kill Alice and she had a whole, like, hallucination of her mom being, like, this is not what I want from you, that would have been, like, the, the thing, you know, not only does your mom not want this for you, Alice just saved your life. Alice called herself an antihero, so I guess she doesn't see herself as a villain. So she's trying. Um, and so for her to kind of literally be like, my mama said I can't kill you. That doesn't mean that <laughs> someone else can't kill you. Who <laughs> is just like, come on, girl. Like I know, like, I don't think your mom's going to be happy about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Those are all my dislikes. Were never spoken. I was really shocked that she walked away. Yeah. Um, just because she walked away from killing her that one time a few episodes ago. And I was like, oh, I guess now that she's gonna, she's working with her, like, and actually speaking with her, that there would be 
some bonding and I'm not that this erases like what Alice has done or anything like that but I think there's a difference in wanting Alice to have consequences for her actions and actually like straight up having someone kill her um so yeah I I don't know how I really felt about that because it was it was harsh (laughs) um and and unnecessary so I was like damn Ryan she just walked away I don't know if she still has a guilty conscience about it. Conscience about it. Probably we'll doesn't, but I mean, like, <laughs> come on, girl. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Alice will pop back up, but the fact that she thinks that she died, we'll see how that goes. So, yeah, not not great. Not a great moment for her. And, yes, completely agree about Jacob, and I feel like we've just exhausted all <laughs> all discussion on him because he this is... This is the Fuck Jacob News Network. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't have any stands who are going to be upset. <laughs> I mean, I, I doubt that he has any, um, just because he's he's sort of there, but you know, um, yeah. So like him, like yes, Sophie was going to look out for him because that's what Sophie does. She's a very caring person, and she's like, yes, I need to talk to Mary about his drug addiction. But the fact that. You're right. Like his personality never really changes. He has one emotion and that is anger all the time. So it just is really frustrating to continue to watch him treat the people he supposedly says he cares about like this. And it's like even when he tried with Mary um, that for like a second, it's like, yay, do I get a cookie now? It's like, no, Jacob, you don't because you didn't put in any effort. <laughs> so it is frustrating. It's like constantly yelling at Sophie week in and week out and it's just it gets exhausting so it's like when will he actually become a human being for longer than like 30 seconds with the whole Alice um, hallucinations because it's very aggravating and he doesn't really add anything to the story um, with his behavior so (sighs) FJNN fuck Jacob News Network (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Uh, and I will, you know, just add to the pylon to just say that, yes, Jacob sucks balls. Um, and everyone needs to just treat Sophie better. Everyone just stop discarding Sophie. Stop being rude to Sophie. But you especially, Jacob, he should be, like, fined or sued or something for, like, workplace harassment. I don't know. I feel like he's an asshole to everyone, but especially to Sophie. And it must be stopped. Um, and I don't care about, like, like, the one time, the one episode where it was, you know, like, the struggle uh, when he was being introduced to Snakebite, that was, like, the only time that I was like, oh, that was good for Jacob. But now yeah. I'm like, he's not even, like, we're not even seeing him struggle with it, you know? Now it's just like, okay, I'm now a machine that wants Snakebite. Um, so, again, I don't care. <sighs> Aside from that, I definitely agree that Ryan leaving Alice uh, was way harsh, Ty. Um, I get it. I understand why she did it. But it didn't really seem like a hero move. And again, it didn't seem like she struggled with it. She was like, all right, bye, bitch. I would hope, I, this is again, I'm me just predicting things in not prediction sections, but I would assume that she will eventually feel guilty and perhaps eventually be part of a Rescue Alice mission, hopefully. Maybe it will fail, you know? But this will get her and Kate to like bond over leaving people to leaving- die. <laughs> leaving Alice specifically. Leaving Alice specifically? Alice after Alice did you a favor. There you go. Because that's the thing, like, if you want to reform villains, and maybe, you know, obviously Ryan thinks that Alice is beyond redemption, but this, clearly Alice is on her redemption arc, right? And so if you want to reform villains, um, maybe 
when you're like, hey, don't betray me and let's do this thing. And then they don't betray you and they do the thing. You don't then betray them. Because mm-hmm. that's not setting a good precedent. <laughs> I then guess what... my, like my mini prediction is that, well, going off of, I think yours from last week that Alice will be in a position to save Kate and not think it's Kate and then not save Kate to save Ocean. And oh, then she'll okay. realize it and then she'll be like, damn. Mm-hmm. So that's how that feels. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> That's right. She and then that will that one moment will do with therapy. Clearly did not. <laughs> did not work. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, so that did suck. And while I, I definitely agree with y'all, like that Angelique and Ryan ended on a good note, and this is like nice in that it's most likely their last note, right? Unless they just can't find a ship for Ryan and they just bring Angelique back for like whatever special episode and be like, and then they reunite, you know? Um, but aside from that, this is probably the last we'll see of Angelique and there's a good end- note ending. But I felt like the ups and downs of their relationship were so unnecessary yeah. in the first half of the season that now it made this one feel like, again, again, we're doing this again. So if they had just been like the one time, the reunite, and then they're together or whatever, and then you know, this was the end. That would have been more satisfying, I think, than the (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, I was like, okay. I do think it's good, though, in the sense that I feel like she did need a clean break. Orion did need a clean break so that she can move on, so that she can be not stuck in that, like, you know. Yeah, because I definitely think that Alice had a point of are you saving her? Are you, like, this committed because you're in love with her? Are you just, like, trying to um, zero out a debt that you owe right. Angelique because she saved you. And now you feel guilty because you didn't save her or something like that. Yeah. So now she'll finally, they'll both be able to grow as themselves without each other or without that codependent dynamic that they may have had. So it is good. I just feel like the journey to get there was so, why? Why did we do yeah. it? Yeah. It felt, <laughs> it felt like a lot that, it felt a lot of times that they were trying to parallel that ship with Alice and Oceans. Like, look, oh, yeah. you had a past love, but they're no longer good for you. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Okay. So, feedback. We have a, quite a bit of feedback from Shang, Lillian, Suarez, Sonia, and Marie. So, getting into Shang's feedback, he says, Alice in the Batmobile sent me, like, the dialogue, literal chef's kiss. Who wrote that? Who did write that? Who wrote this episode? Do we know? Uh, we can find out. Well, while you find out, I'll continue. He also says, okay, that Kate versus Alice versus Ryan showdown was pretty epic. The lighting was decent, even though it was a night, even though it was nighttime. And damn, Ryan be cold leaving Alice to die. But also, I get it. Alice is a serial killer after all. So technically, she shouldn't be a victim in this case of murder. I wonder mm-hmm. if that would get Alice to have a vengeance against Ryan now. Possibly, because Alice is also petty. Like they're the same person. Like they're very petty, and they hold grudges. So that's true. Um, so I really want Ryan and Sophie to do some devil's tango and let me have some good sexual tension. Are they a thing? Are they not? They should kiss and be like, um, perhaps I am attracted. Enemies, <laughs> lovers, let's go. Sophie said that out loud in the universe already. Um, then the triangle comes when Julia comes back to the storyline and is trying to get back, back with Sophie. Then we have the big reveal that Cersei is Kate. And then she uses memory, a giant lesbian love square. And of course, my favorite of favorites, 
Inks, my favorite of favorites. Um, so I, I guess, like, who of you guys, like, who is of the opinion, the whole Sophie saying, like, enemies to lovers, is, it's not happening. Do you think that it was said to hint that it is happening? Or that was the writer saying, fans, it's not happening. I feel like they haven't gone anywhere with it since, really. So I guess it would be like, it's not happening. But I don't know that it couldn't happen or that they're not planning for it to I, happen. I feel like it's the latter that they're like, <laughs> fans, is not happening. Right, right. Because there's just like some like fandom was already like wanting it to happen before. But we haven't even gotten Yeah, but the fact that like, they brought right it there. up mm-hmm. makes them aware that, that, it, that do you want it. it? Right. And yeah. that them bringing it up makes it more obvious in the narrative that it could happen. Could it happen? Right. But that's but the, like, right. I don't think they're, like, like, they're, like, immediately shot it down. Like, right. When... I don't think they're closing the door on it totally. Like, I think it is a possibility, but down the line. Like, right now, they're not building anything yeah. towards it. I and do there's think still that, that one... Gonna... Sorry, go Oh, ahead. sorry? <laughs> I was just gonna say that that one lady at the um, youth center that uh, she's yeah. flirting with. So that's an, also an option. Yes, but... that's true. But, yeah, I think that they are gonna want to go... Sophie and uh, Kate first because they never yeah, they need to finish that circle if exactly. they're going to go anywhere. So either Kate sticks around and then it's just going to be Sophie and Kate and Ryan gets her own love interest or they do have to send Kate off and only then could they begin Ryan and Sophie. Um, so either way it's like a put a pin in that. <laughs> yeah. Okay moving on to Lillian. Lillian says hey there lovely ladies hope you're doing well I haven't shared feedback for the last few weeks because I didn't want to sound like I'm ranting too much and I knew y'all would call out the problematic stuff in the DC TV shows as you always do which I appreciate um, she says congrats May on Critics Choice membership oh Yay! thank you so much that shouldn't have been in our news that yeah, May is officially a member of news. Critics Choice yes thank you <laughs> um, anyway here's her feedback for Batwoman um, she says the show continues to be a highlight for me every week. Uh, it's great to see how well the cast seems to get along and their joy and energy is evident in the BTS content that they share regularly. Other casts can't relate. <laughs> Flash. <laughs> um, though I hope... Uh, da, 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 da. No, skip. Um, getting into her feedback, she says... Sophie is a strong contender for Lady of Gumption of the Week for coming through for Batwoman without having to compromise the cases of other victims. Love the conversations she had with Luke and Mary. I'm looking forward to her having fun playfully asking them leading questions about Batwoman and watching them squirm. Ryan and Alice team up was random and funny, but I like that Ryan stood her ground and wouldn't let Alice off the hook for her previous crimes. To be honest, I didn't see the end part coming with Ryan walking away and leaving Alice to fend for herself, only because we've never seen other characters really give her the cold shoulder besides Mary. Anyway, I hope Alice doesn't get petty the next time she sees Batwoman. That's that's highly likely that she will. Um, glad that Angelique made it out of Gotham alive and I'm ready for Ryan to move forward and have new crushes and love interests before whichever in-game ship rolls around. Um, loved Mary's outfit, especially the gold boots. Props to her styling team because she always looks chef kiss every episode. The Alice-Kate-Ryan fight scene was interesting, and it's good to finally see new Kate introduced. It was weird seeing her in white, since I was so used to Kate's almost all-black wardrobe in season one. Um, one, I wonder if this is an intentional styling choice to differentiate new Kate from season one Kate. A minor pet peeve for me 
is in the fight that seeing Kate taking down both Alice and Ryan in one fight without seemingly breaking a sweat. Hopefully in the next encounters, we'll see Ryan being able to hold her own more. Um, doesn't trust Black Mask motivations at all. His revenge plan to turn Kate, his daughter's supposed killer, into his dead daughter seems nonsensical. Revenge doesn't work if the person you're targeting is too brainwashed to be conscious of your maniacal plans. This would make more sense if he blamed Jacob for his daughter's death and was avenging her by taking Kate away from him, eye for an eye. Which is interesting, because he blames the crows and that woman, right? And we still don't have no, like, the actual story behind Cersei's death. So it could still be that. We don't know. Um, but anyway, Lillian, thank you so much. The full part of her feedback, because I skipped around a bit, will be on Tumblr. And then we have Swara, who says, Batwoman was great this week. I really enjoyed the Batwoman Alice dynamic. Sworn enemies who share a common goal. I'm glad that the episode didn't let it, viewers forget what Alice did to Ryan's mother. And the partnership only seems to be rooted in completing the goal at hand. And for Ryan leaving Alice to Amnesia Kate, and he has a gift, like, good for her. <laughs> um, far too often we see superheroes take the higher road when it comes to direct abuses and traumas against him. It's so refreshing to see Ryan take some inspiration from Batman, Batman Begins with, I don't have to save you. Truly love that. And if Alice wants to make amends, she has to go a long way. At could feel the catharsis from Ryan while watching it, and it was fantastic. So Suarez at the complete is like, go, girl. Like, good for you. <laughs> it's like, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> um, also really love Sophie so much this episode. She took such links to protect Ryan's identity because of her faith in her as Batwoman. Love this so much, and hoping Sophie eventually leaves the crows once she realizes that they can't be reformed. Presumably, it'll be the closest we get to a full indictment on the police in the show, but I'll take it. Also love Mary and every scene she's in. This show has such fantastic women characters overall, but it's honestly become such a gem on the network. I hope it continues for far longer after that. Thank you, Swara. And then we have Sonia, who says, Hey, ladies, hope you're doing well. She loved the Patreon on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Thank you for letting me rant endlessly about the mistreatment of Sharon Carter. <laughs> Silly me thinking they would finally treat her better than they have in the past. I literally feel like the gift of Kristen Bell where's la- where she's laughing and then crying. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but her Batwoman feedback, she says, I really like this episode. It was really exciting with the fight sequences. Ryan and Alice teaming up and the whole plot with Batwoman's blood sample was, there was never really a dull moment. La- um, laugh my ass off at Ocean and Angelique basically being all, hi, I'm Ocean and this is my friend Angelique. Welcome to our YouTube channel. On how to make sig bite. <laughs> um, love that Alice finally admitted to remembering Ryan's mom, but I guess it was too little too late. Um, Sophie having a role to play is always nice. And it was great to have her team up with Mary and Luke to race Ryan's DNA. Can someone explain exactly what she did? Um, so what she did was she erased Ryan's criminal record because Ryan was already in the database. And because, you know, with the new sample being mixed in with all these other samples that are going through the process. You can't really delete Ryan's without deleting like a hundred other people. So what she did was just delete Ryan's record. So 
basically Ryan doesn't have a record anymore because Sophie deleted it from the database. So that's what she did. Um, Mary reopening her clinic and using Jacob's idea of getting real doctors is great because it reminds me of the show The Resident and how a nurse practitioner and a doctor opened a free clinic near their hospital where hospital staff works but didn't require insurance or anything just like what Mary wants her clinic to be. And I think we had a um, an anon asked this on Tumblr and I started to respond and then I didn't. It's in the draft. So I'll respond to you anon. But basically that anon was also like, well, why can't they do it? Like, I think they also mentioned the resident or some other... I don't think it was Grey's Anatomy. It's probably the resident um, and how they were doing something similar and how it could be legal and Mary could still do what she wants to do. So it seems like they're doing a little bit of a compromise in the show. Um, But I think with like, because Mary also deals with a lot of criminals. And so her, I think, motivating factor is being open to as many people as possible, because if it's legal, then possibly they wouldn't come to her and then you know, they die. <laughs> so <they're, laughs> even if it's legal, there's probably still like a lot of people, especially, you know, whether they are homeless or undocumented or criminal activities, reasons why people would still probably avoid legal channels. So Mary wants to be as open as possible to people that need help. Um. Alice versus Kate Cersei fight was awesome. Can't wait to see Alice figure out she's actually Kate and hopefully help her remember herself. Thanks, Sonia. And then finally, Marie says, Batgirl Panic? (laughs) That's her title for this. Um, So much happened, honestly, and I enjoyed it. I think my only issue was with Angelique and Ryan not kissing. I saw some people online complain about their lack of physical intimacy this whole season, while Ocean and Alice... Uh, we're tonguing it down in the episode after episode. And well, yeah, because seriously, what's the reason? I mean, it stood out more than ever in this episode with Angelique leaving. Uh, the girl is leaving forever to God knows where, and all she and Ryan got was an extended forehead touch? Huh? Uh, I kept waiting for the kiss, only to be get, only to get some <laughs> motherfucking pinky action. <laughs> <laughs> that's, definitely, that's a good point, though. That's a good point, that's, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I felt like it was. I was gonna say definitely didn't need to see like Alice and Ocean bone each other. That's true. Because I was gonna be like, well, COVID, but then she's like, but Alice and Ocean. I was like, yeah, that 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 is a point. You're right. You're right. You are right. Um, she's like, I felt like it was watching a show from like 2002 or something because they were playing in my face, doing everything but kissing. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I don't think any women have actually kissed yet this season. Which LOL almost forgot his show. Yeah, I feel with like about and, five. So Angelique and, and Ryan have never kissed. I feel like they did when they were briefly. I feel like because they, they had right? like a, they had like a, a you know morning after moment. Mm. Let's see. But I can't say if they kissed or not. Let's see. Let's see. Ryan Angelique kiss. Are you looking it up? I'm <laughs> looking it up on YouTube <laughs> and see if. It will occur. I will continue while you look up. <laughs> she says, anyway, R- Alice and Ryan were interesting. It's been clear from the jump that Ryan blames Alice for her mom's death. However indirect her actual involvement was, Ryan's been holding on to the grudge forever. There's also the fact that Alice is just a killer, period. Ryan shouldn't have left her chain that first time, though, because she was going to into a totally unknown situation and could have used a backup. But other than that, I got what she did. It cold as hell, but it made sense to me. Sophie was useful in this episode. Nice of her to help sort things out with the crows. 
Ryan should have been nicer, though. Like, you made a mistake and she's helping you out when you're panicking and doesn't even have to. Uh, lower your voice. <laughs> also, her saying the bat signal isn't a pager. Like, girl, yes, it is. <laughs> Literally, that's the point. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kate, I didn't realize Wallace Days was so tall. I was taken aback when she stood next to Alice and was towering over her. I wonder how they'll explain Kate's growth spurt. They won't. <laughs> but I actually liked Kate a lot. That mask, though, I'm going to need her to take it off expeditiously. Creepy as fuck. But Wallace got Ruby's voice down really well before Cersei is hypnotized. And the fight scenes with both Ryan and Alice are really well done. So thank you, Marie. And that is all. I do not think they have kissed. I'm seeing the scene where they would have kissed. And I feel like it cuts out (laughs) right before a kiss. Wow. Yeah. Mm. That's unfortunate. Hmm. Hopefully they will introduce, like, another love interest for Ryan. And we will get tons of kisses. Yes, we will get, like, early love type stuff. Deserved. All right. Is that the end of our feedback? It is. We made it through. Predictions. Well, I still think I'm on track with my Alice makes Kate's Wallace face. Mm-hmm. Because, like, right Wallace when... <laughs> <laughs> right when Cersei is about to kill her, I was like, oh, yeah! I do need it for something. Like, to make a face, possibly? So, yeah. I think that's where we're going. It is a sound theory. And, you know, to no one's surprise, I have no theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Because I don't think that it would make sense for her to keep wearing that mask. And eventually we will have to see Wallace's face. So, I agree with you. Except that I do think Alice and Ocean will finally part ways, just like Angelique and Ryan did, of their own accord this time, rather than having to do with Sophia in the middle and it'll be the same reason because alice can't leave gotham alone yes <laughs> she's like but i have to terrorize my father kate <laughs> brian for leaving me exactly exactly she's like no therapy has not helped yet sorry gotta go or gotta stay rather anyway <clears throat> now we move on to black lightning tc activates oh, oh right so last left off Everyone was about to die because their power is cut out at the same time. But thankfully, Gamby has, like, you know, fail-safes in all of the different suits. So TC activates the component in Lightning suit that keeps her from hitting the ground. Gamby activates stealth mode for Black Lightning. And then Grace just activates, you know, saving Anissa powers. And saves Anissa. She activates beast mode. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So that's great. Um, Together they find the hard drive that Darius is holding on to. I believe it is TC, who helps decrypt it, um, while Painkiller, or with help from Filky, is that how you say his name? Yeah. Filky. So Filky and TC decrypt the hard drive. Painkiller obtains a device's ledger. It has all of the people on his payroll on it. So now they know what's going on with the bias. Um, meanwhile, um, Gamby uses a prototype to get Jefferson and Lightning out of their suits. And he's like, why are the metahuman abilities not working? We must figure this out. Jefferson gets a call from his bestie, Shakur, that Lynn has been arrested. But by the time he gets there, Lynn's ex-boyfriend, Keith, has already taken care of things. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And Jefferson does not like that. Gamby is visited by Lauren. Lauren is like, what did you do with my plutonium? And also my emitter, you jackass. And Gamby is like, I'm real sorry about the plutonium, but I do like you. Also, I did not do anything to your emitter, I promise. I will help you figure out what happened to it. So he goes to Jefferson and Lynn, and they're like, oh my god. Tobias is the one using the emitter, and Val's DNA combined to negate all metahuman powers. 
And it's not just the Pierces, it's everyone in his little circle, or vicinity, rather. Everyone who doesn't have his little bracelet currently does not have powers. So, um, Tobias gets Lala's petrified form. Yay! Lala, coming back! Um, and <laughs> uh, creates a ceasefire for the gang war with 100. He then shares, like, updates... <laughs> on his upcoming mayoral candidacy with that little special group of people that he really doesn't even like because they do not respect him and they make him lose his cool. But they are like whatever level is above him right now. So he's not his own man necessarily. He's still working for some new other shady organization that I guess we'll have to figure out how evil they are in the next three episodes because there's not much time left. Finally, Lightning is like, I need my powers back, so I'm going to electrocute myself. And he sees like, wow, that's horrible. But it works. Except that she comes back and there's like a little extra energy left. Something going on there. She's left in the ionosphere. Yeah, yeah, in the ionosphere. So I don't know what's up with that. We're going to find out. So what brought you joy? Well, (laughs) Tobias. I'm I'm so torn about Tobias because on one hand, he's being super smart. Like, I'm so proud he's come this far. He's finally having a, like, a massive plan that's working he's pulling one over everyone and he's doing an amazing job at it like the pierces are losing everything i hate that Take but it all over <laughs> but tobias is proving to be a strong villain this season i think like last last season he kind of fell off a little bit um so it was really <laughs> nice to see that like for the final season they're like tobias tobias is our villain i think he's like the longest lasting villain in the Arrowverse that has like mm. stuck around and actually done something. Entire, like, yeah. And he's never switched sides. Series. He's just continued to like, you know, ride or die for himself. I will never <laughs> be a good guy. Yeah. You, you stay true in your villainy. Yeah. So I like that. I like that. <laughs> and I like that he's being like, you know, he's running for mayor. He has a long-term goal. And the fact that like, we, we find out this episode that he was, you know, how he got, the transmitter or the the nullifier to take away everybody's powers and how he was using his assistant whose name I forget. Val. Um, yes, Val to do that um, through Lynn's testing was like, I was like, damn, what a twist. <laughs> <laughs> so all of that was really great. Um, and I don't like what it did, but I like that at least somebody's in Lynn's corner. Like she has a lawyer, seems like somebody she can trust, even though he's like an ex-boyfriend. But it's somebody who actually cares about getting her out of um, her predicament right now. So that is important. Um, and I like that her whole, you know, like Jen, Jen and Lynn, Jen and Lynn, Jen and Anissa wanted to like really be there for her, and you know they were arguing with their father about it too, so that they can all be on the same page and kind of set everything aside to help her. So that was really nice. Um, TC, oh, I love this kid so much. <laughs> I like that best. he has this relationship with Khalil and, and Filky as well. Like he's comfortable calling them. He's like, I need your help. I can't access um, any of the, you know, tech because I lost my powers. So I really like what they're doing there and growing that relationship that they, has, again, have not forgotten about Khalil. It wasn't just about like, we gave you a backdoor pilot, but then we're going to forget about you for the rest of the season. Um, so they did not do that. And I appreciate that. And it's like a reminder of his new world clashing with his old one. Um, but also bringing in like specifically Filky and like, oh, yes, he's in a new place now. He's continuing to help, but he's got his own life. 
um, and it sort of gives a little bit more screen time and rec- facial recognition for you know the audience, which is great. Yeah, that that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I like Lauren finally figuring out Gamby's been lying to her. Yes. Yeah, that scene was great. Although I wish, like, I because I was annoyed when he was like, I know we both know you're not going to shoot me. And I was like, I would have, like, if I was Lauren, like, I feel like I might have just shot him just, just to be ready. <laughs> like, not in any, like, critical areas. But, like, maybe, like, shot his shoulder or shot, like, over his shoulder. So he'd be like, you don't tell me what I'm about to do and what I'm not about to do. <laughs> um, but, you know, because he's just been lying to her the whole time. It's, and it's like interesting as it is of Gamby having a love interest I did feel bad for her a lot of the times that you know she is genuinely into this and having feelings and he's has like an ulterior motive so I like that um she finally figured out what he was doing and confronted him about it um seriously and to the point where he's like you know I will help you figure this out and explain what all I've been doing. So that was great. Good for Lauren. <laughs> um, I also like the Khalil painkiller scene. Um, I thought it was great. And similarly, I like the TC Filky scene. So I like that TC is has a mentor in Filky and you know, all things like tech related. And it makes you like because this is like the second time that he, he's had a scene with Filky. In back-to-back episodes. So I feel like I'm feeling pretty hopeful that TC will survive the cut and transfer over to the spinoff because there's already a relationship that they're building there. Um, so, and I, I just like to see him because I, I like him as a character. So hopefully if the spinoff gets picked up, then he will just like transfer over there and it'll be like a seamless transition. Um, I like, and then just the painkiller and Khalil scene in general with him. The fight scene, again, it was um, really nicely choreographed. Um, it was kind of funny when one of the guards came, like, bust through the wall, like, the drywall. Like, this is some cheap-ass drywall. Like, what kind of office is this person in? Like, he can just, like, bust in like the Kool-Aid man. But um, I, I liked that whole sequence with, you know, like, Painkiller even, like, stealing the money at the end. And, um, you know, it, it was kind of like a, a nice com- comedic relief. But I do hope that they get to intersect with the Pierces soon, um, just because it just it feels a little segmented that he has this storyline going on, but none of the other Pierces know that he's in Freeland. So hopefully that kind of intersects at some point. Tobias's endgame is finally in play. We get to see everything that he's doing. Um, so it's nice to get to understand what he was actually doing with the emitter. And how that plays into whatever he's trying to do with the board. Um, and I predicted last week about the Monta Vista stuff. So I was right that he was like, what is he doing with this? Is he trying to like make his own generation of metas or whatever? And it seems like that is what he is trying to do um, with taking these pregnant women and extracting the metagene or whatever it is that they have in I feel like he's either going to sell that to the board or make his own army as his like contingency plan or whatever. So um, it feels interesting that now that we have that information from Darius RIP <laughs> and now that we can like do something <laughs> about it. And I do actually, I actually like that scene with all of like the younger generation in Thunder Grace's apartment with TC, Jen, 
Anessa and Grace because it, it felt like outsiders-ish, like what could have been. Um, so that was cool, getting to see them all together and figuring out and unfurling this whole Monta Vista um, Medellin plot. Um, I also think it's interesting, just in general, that the board is coming back into play since we haven't seen them since season one. So it just feels like since this is the last season, it's like a full circle for Tobias specifically. And, you know, season one, he was trying to come up and it failed for him. He just had all these problems because of Jefferson. And now in season four, it feels like this time, like he's on his path to succeeding because Jefferson just can't get his shit together. (laughs) So everything is going right for Tobias in this moment. So um, it'll be interesting to see because it's going so right. It'll be interesting to see when it goes wrong. And that's it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't disagree with anything. So (laughs) I, I, I thought it was, I thought this was probably one of the stronger episodes, maybe like I thought it was like more cohesive and it mm-hmm. does feel like we're like moving towards the mm-hmm. end game, like you say. And the full circle to bias is great. Plus, um, uh, <laughs> um, th- now that we have Khalil back in play, it does feel like his storyline will also come to not even like a conclusion because obviously we're going to move forward, but he will move forward from the Tobias aspect of his storyline when or if and when Painkiller happens because he will obviously have a big hand in helping to defeat Tobias. Since he's doing lots of things, which are the best parts of the episodes, and Jefferson is doing no things, and those things are not the best parts of the episodes, unfortunately, for Jefferson. But anyway, I do, I did love Gamby's failsafes. That man makes suits for the Pierce family, like the Renters do, um, and I do not know what they would do without him, and also now TC, but like, TC wouldn't be doing anything for them if not for Gamby in the first place. So they would you, die Gamby. clearly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They would just die. So, um, but like you, I also did like that Lauren uh, was on to Gamby's game finally. And their scene was quite, you know, they were, they were both doing lots of acting, feeling lots of feelings in their scene. Even if Gamby was a bit of a, you know, a condescending asshole with his, uh, you won't shoot me because you love me. But, <laughs> but I did like that it moved like, they're still going to work on things together. You know, she knows that he is not trustworthy in some elements, but they still have something that they can work through together. And that then it led to the discovery of what Tobias is up to with Jefferson and Lynn. Um, I also, I already said it, because Leo Painkiller, great. I love them. Love their scenes, or his scenes, their scenes. Um, also, I will say that Jen's comment about, or JJ's comment, about how her powers is like her only connection to her old self. I was like, okay. I see where you're coming from. Even though Jen was already being reckless at the start of the season. So it's not like it just came because of that. But I do understand that she's not slowing down because she feels the most like herself when she's using her powers. I'm like, okay, I get it. Um, I didn't write anything else, even though it was a good episode. But yes, I just think it was like an overall (laughs) a good episode where things are continuing to happen that I don't like. But it feels like they're happening for a purpose. And not just like... So, speaking of the things we didn't like, what are they? Well, (laughs) I do not like that we have three episodes left and Jefferson and Lynn continue fighting. 
fight, 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 fight all the time. And it's very tiring. I don't know why the writers hate them so much. Um, it's like all that warmth that we felt of their relationship from season one, that really electric scene that they had, the potential of them getting back together and being a stronger, more mature couple once they've like talked through their issues is completely gone down the drain. And I don't understand like what went wrong, what happened. Like we took wrong turn. We never found our way back. Um, So it's just, and, and them introducing, like, a, a new potential love interest for, for Lynn, even if it's just, like, flirting, is just really strange. Unless this is what's going to make Tobias, or not Tobias, <laughs> that's my crack ship. <laughs> crack ship in game! <laughs> this is going to make me realize, like, oh my god, I do love Lynn, I don't want her to be with anybody else. But it just felt so over the top, this episode, and, like, Lynn is in jail she's facing these serious charges she could go to prison for a long time and all jefferson is like worried about is like i'm not the one who got to save you i'm like what (laughs) so it just i don't know i hated the whole thing and i feel like they could have done a lot a stronger job with even you know jefferson's points or this is the moment that they finally come together and just like no this is what we're gonna do um so that just fell completely flat and continues to just be so frustrating and then on the other ship side, you have Thunder Grace and that whole conversation sort of coming out of nowhere. Um, and I know that, I mean, I know where it came from, but like it didn't really have any buildup. It's just like this abrupt argument that they had in the last two minutes of the episode. I'm like, wait, what? Um, because, you know, Grace, it's not even that the context, like Grace making, saying that she might not want to like be go back to being a shapeshifter i can understand that but it's just like the fact that they won't let thunder grace live at all for like five minutes <laughs> they just got married they're they're supposed to be happy any little development that we got is also like feel always feels like it's being thrown out the window as well because they always just want to pit them against each other or put obstacles in their way so that they're not actually developing as a couple and that's really frustrating because this argument in particular just felt like points were made, but even like Anissa walking away and not necessarily like, like she says she resolving got Grace's it. point. Yeah, not resolving it. Like she says she got Grace's point, but it didn't feel that way. Um, and so like she knows specifically like how long Grace has struggled with her own powers and controlling them and being able to be a normal person. Um, so I feel like there could have been a little bit more empathy there. So I feel like the whole thing was just all over the place and unnecessary considering we only have like three episodes left. It's like, what is the purpose of you introducing this for it to not go anywhere right now, especially since it came at the end? Um, Jennifer, (laughs) I love Jennifer, but she, you know, she acts, I guess, too stereotypically teenager. And I know she is, but Mm -hmm. like. The fact that she's been up to the ionosphere so many times and we've all seen her fall like three, four times a season alone. Then you're going to go to like these extremes to make your powers work. It just <laughs> it just doesn't sit right with me. I'm like always worried about her because she's always she's very impulsive. And, you know, TC always like ha- he's got her back and stuff. But it just you're always concerned like something is going to go wrong this one time. And I don't like feeling like that towards her. So I just need her to be a little bit more grounded <laughs> moving forward. Um, 
Yeah, those were like the big points. Yeah, I feel I, I would hate to be, you know, her mother or her like like she's so like hard headed. It's just like I I don't know. You want to just like wrap her in a bubble, just like stay put, don't move anywhere. It, just, <laughs> it was just like like the dumbest thing. Her electrocuting herself to get her powers back. It's like the most like dumbass idea. I'm like, just, you know, are you? You know, it's a very typical, like, teenager, I can live forever invincible kind of thing. And it's like, she's had enough life experience to know that that's not true. Um, So it's just like, when she's just like, yeah, I'll just try to electrocute myself. And it's like, are you, what? What? And then I'm like, low-key mad that it actually worked. <laughs> because <laughs> it just, like, validated her stupid-ass idea. And I just can't imagine being like having such a hard ass, hard headed ass child, sister. You know, it's just like I don't even know what to do here. I don't know if it's like my older sister syndrome, where it's like, what the fuck? Like, why? Um, it's just like it's it's almost like crazy how her journey started out. Like she hated her powers and anything to do with them, and being like a freak and all this kind of stuff. And now she's like risking death and doing the most stupid shit to bring them back and I, I agree that with Tati that you know I get the point that you know that's the only original point back to her first self um, that she has left so I can you know if I if I un- if I overlook the stupidity in the actions I understand <laughs> the core <laughs> where it's coming from but like my god um not just it's not just like her what she's risking, but just like her in general, like her life decisions aggravate me so much. <laughs> um, and then I agree with you on, on the Thunder Grace argument. Like it's it's not so much the context of the argument of like the should we or should we not, but I think it's like the writers never respect Thunder Grace Thunder Grace in the first place. So the fact that they went this path for them is just like what they do. And I shouldn't have expected more from the writers treating the the relationship with respect because I don't I just don't think they do. And um just like the conversation for self, for me, it falls apart in the beginning of the episode when Grace doesn't have her powers because I'm like, I need the science explained to me. Because she's a shapeshifter, and I feel like shapeshifter and meta are two different things. And I feel like, especially in Black Lightning context, because the whole idea of meta originated from, um, what's his face last season, the original meta, um, Grave Digger. Yes, Grave Digger, um, and and Jefferson's like bloodline, and them doing experiments on him, and then the Greenlight Kids is the other benchmark. All of those kids and their possible descendants or whoever being meta, and that's how those metas came to be. And I'm assuming that Val came through that system as well. But as far as we know, that Grace has been a shapeshifter her whole life. And so, and I feel like shapeshifter is a different animal than a meta. So I feel like the science, like, I don't understand how Val's nullifier power works against not only metas but also 
shapeshifter because like shapeshifter is like werewolf or vampire like that's not a meta to me so i feel like the science there and why grace lost her powers doesn't make sense in the first place but as far as the context of the argument also grace has been a meta her whole life as far as we know i think her backstory even when she was younger she still had issues with like her shapeshifting whereas anissa has only been a meta quote-unquote she's been a meta all her life because she was born meta but she's only come into her powers for the last four years. So for her, like most of her life has been quote unquote normal. Um, so being a meta isn't all she knows. It's all she's known for the last four years, but it's not her entire life. She's had a pre-meta life. Grace has never had a pre-meta life. So I get her wanting to be normal for a change, not having to worry about all of this kind of stuff. Um, but Anissa has only been a meta for four years and her wanting it back and all the danger that comes with it is a choice. Like you want that. <laughs> so I get why Grace wouldn't want that. I don't like, I feel like Anissa being like, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to be, have your powers back. And it's a part of who you are. It's part of who I am when it wasn't for 20, like 20 plus years. So I kind of fall more on Grace's side of the argument for, for that one. Um, yeah. And then I guess, um, Jefferson Lynn, I don't know what, what, I don't have any of the tea, what's going on behind the scenes. I feel like we are the most, like, we don't want to like jump to conclusions or whatever, but we do like when you take some, you have like evidence, you like be like, Hmm, that's interesting. Hmm, that's interesting. And it builds up. And like now, (laughs) I feel like I'm at the point where I would believe that the cast and the writers hate Chris for whatever he did. Because why else is Jefferson, like, continuously at odds with Lynn and his family? And, you know, seemingly everybody except the new actress on the show. Because um, his scenes with JJ are fine and then, like, bonding or whatever. But the fact that his relationship with Lynn has gone this far in this direction is... I don't I don't know how else to explain that other than they don't like each other. The actors don't like each other anymore. And this is the best way. Like the chemistry is just like gone. This is the best way to express it. I don't know. Um, I it's, it's kind of, I don't even want them to get back together. <laughs> like when she was like with that, I was like stroke that lawyer friend's arm, girl. Like secure the quill <laughs> and then secure the bag. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, Lynn. <laughs> You know, and that's kind of sad, like, from where we first started with Jefferson, to me, not even expecting them to have, like, a happy ending at the end of in the next three episodes. Um, I just don't see it, and I think it's kind of, it's kind of sad. So. I definitely, Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, um, I mean, agree with that, that it's really sad, and, like, they started off so strong in season one, and I don't know, it just went downhill from there, like. Ever since then, it's just been, like, worse and worse, and it obviously can't be worse than it is this season. Um, so, I don't know. I, I mean, I agree with you that it's very possible that there's, like, behind-the-scenes issues that led to this. But either way, it's weird, and they don't need to do it, because it feels very, like, I don't know, petty towards Jefferson or something. Like, he's got to not just lose or, you know, give up on being Black Lightning, but also, like, lose his career and <laughs> his status in the in the... In the City and then also just like is on bad terms with his wife and family members when he could have just you know 
they could just have easily just had them done direct a lot and have them have their own separate storylines. So I don't know. It's, it just seems like overkill and definitely not like something that they're going to be able to fix in three episodes. So we're either going to get like a patented, just like, oh, gloss over everything ending, where it seems like they're happy for now. And then you just expect the next tomorrow something horrible will happen again. Or they will really, something big will have to happen in order for them to, to reunite. But it won't feel earned because they haven't. All they've done is like throw knives at each other with their words. So yeah. Aside from that, um, specifically, the Keith thing was so dumb because, like, they're not together. They're, like, literally divorced. <laughs> I think they've broken up 16 times. I don't I don't remember the last time they got to get back together, but I'm pretty sure that currently it is not... They are not together. So he has no reason to even be jealous that someone else got Lynn out or that she is stroking that man's arm or whatever. Um, stroking, stroking his arm, stroking <laughs> his ego. Exactly. There's not any of your business, <laughs> Jefferson. Also... Um, while I do think that the secret council Tobias thing is good and good full circle, I wish that we had like been got brought into it earlier. Cause again, it's three episodes and I'm like, how are we going to wrap all this up in three episodes? How are we going to figure this out? Is he going to also transfer over to painkiller if they do that? I hope not. So I hope that they just figure it out and that's all. <laughs> um, and then finally, yes, I agree with y'all about the grace, the thunder grace scene. It's because it's not that the argument is a problem. The argument makes a lot of sense. And it makes sense that, that Grace would feel that way. But they haven't built up Grace's feelings because they don't ever build up Grace. She said it, you know, we know that this is true of her. But then it's just like not part of her story until it is again. And now she's like, hmm, what if we weren't? And if they had had like any fights that they had had previously weren't just about like random shit. Like you don't go with my comic book, your comic book <laughs> don't go with my core or whatever. Um, then we could believe that it's coming to like this point, right? Where it's like, we've talked about this before and now we actually had the opportunity to let that side go. And then you're like, ooh, the tension. Oh, what's going to happen? But instead it's just like, feels like the fight of the week. And then next week, they're just going to be over it. And Grace mm -hmm. will be like, oh, yay, we have our powers back. Thank God. Okay, never mind. You know? So I do think that that's just, it just does feels like something else that they're going to sleep under the rug again for Thunder Grace because they don't really care. They're just like, eh, we got a couple of minutes. Let's give Thunder Grace something to do. What do they do? They should fight. Okay. Sounds good. So I guess if anything, the fact that they don't care about them is like a blessing because otherwise they'd be like Jefferson. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think that the purest, you know, love on this show is like Tobias and his sister. It's like. That's <laughs> that's that's the love right there. Everybody else is like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe ships are just not the strong suit. They're just not the strong suit. Um, so, do we have uh, Black Lightning feedback? We do from Suara, who says. Black Lightning this week was good. While I'm, of course, very glad they got Lynn out, I could do without, once again, show, uh, shoving in some of the conflict between Jefferson and Lynn. Why introduce some random jealousy plot when, with the lawyer? Why this late in the season? I know it seems like a small thing, but I can't help but feel annoyed. I'm so tired of the needless drama between this couple because we should be rooting for, for them. Anyway... I really love Jen and Anissa experimenting with how to get their powers back. <laughs> the conversation they had towards the end about how Jen felt particularly heartbroken over the loss of her powers was really moving. Laura continues to be to do a fantastic job Jen slash JJ, and I hope she gets books on more projects soon after the show concludes. She actually is booked. 
and busy because she is booked for another show that I can't remember the name of, but I saw her. I saw it. So she has something in in the works. She is on on a different show. Yeah. Um, what else? Grace and Anissa's conversation at the end of the episode was so good and poignant with both them both making good points, even if they didn't come to a full resolution. Once again, I wish we had more of this earlier in the series, but I'm excited to see where it goes also now. Um, also, Khalil and Filky were good to see. Honestly, getting more hyped about Painkiller now. So that is what he had to say. <laughs> and I also have to say, <laughs> I was going to say, um, when the show was airing and May was like, oh, we have like, there's a commercial. It's like, I thought we had like eight or nine episodes left. I'm like, <laughs> That was three, right? Like, what was half? It's like half of eight. I can't see small things. And it was so small. It was like and I was small not wearing my glasses. Like, yeah, eight, eight or nine episodes left. Like that. That is a three. <laughs> it was a it was half not eight. eight. Yeah, close, close. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> do we have any predictions for those last three? They foil to bias. Yes. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> they will win the day. And that they somehow will. they will have some semblance of a happy ending. Just... I wonder if JJ, since she has jump started her powers, if she will be able to jump start Jefferson's. Mm. Since that's she's like the generator for his powers as well. So maybe that's how they get back in the game. I just, like, I really want Khalil to cross paths with JJ now. Right. What happens? That they haven't done it yet since he's been, like, a part of the last two episodes. He's been, like, so, like, sequestered and siloed off from the rest of the plot. Mm-hmm. I feel like now that he has, but, you know, he has a name, but I feel like it's still going to take him to his own siloed plot and not with Jen. So we'll see. Well, we'll see. We will see indeed. All right. Now we've got side B, precedent, slash, hey, stargazer. And we start with the Flash. Team Flash detects Fuerza in Keystone City. So Barry and Nora leave to combat her. Barry meets Alexa Rivera. But Nora believes Alexa to be Fuerza and berates her. Boo, Nora! Alexa reveals to Barry that she is indeed Fuerza, and she has been blacking out whenever she gets angry. But she's really a good person. She just has a bit of a drug problem in the past, so all she wants to do is help people. And Barry's like, you seem so cool. Come with me to Star Labs, where you will undergo tests. And then Nora is like, it makes me real mad that Barry listens to Iris, his lightning rod, (laughs) and not me, his lightning. So she attacks (laughs) Iris, and Barry protects Iris, and then somehow that means that Nora can suck out the energy, the speed from Barry. Well, and I think then... he shot like a lightning bolt at her, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, so and is, she just took that. Shot... And she's and like, thank you. <laughs> but like, I'm like, don't you already have it? Because you're the speed force? But okay. And then throws it at Alexa. And I guess Alexa's dead. And we hate that. Disappears. Iris shakes her head. It's like a cliffhanger. And I'm like, what does that mean, Iris? Is she dead? Is she knocked out? What's going on? I think we'll she's find dead. Out. You know what? I don't. In the trailer, that. he was like, "You can't, you can't help make me help you kill people anymore," which means they killed one person, which is like, 
Tragic. Well, maybe it was she's in a coma and they don't know. Okay, I don't know. I'm pretending. Okay. I'm pretending. Anyway, <laughs> meanwhile, the bulk of the episode was actually Frost's not even trial, but sentencing. Because from the start, Frost is like, hey, I'm guilty. Cool. Let's move on to the sentencing, which totally would make sense if they had worked out a plea bargain with the mm-hmm. prosecutor. But instead, they did not. <laughs> so now it's like, hey, let's fight about this. So Kramer attempts to force her to take the metahuman cure instead of receiving prison time. Um, Caitlin's mother is testing to see if the cure is going to harm Frost. In the meantime, Cisco, Caitlin, and Allegra break into CCPD and neutralize all the cures, just in case. Kramer then blames Frost for this break-in um, and produces the Nargis sample, basically being like, so we can still do it, doesn't matter. Even more reason to do it now, because Frost is dangerous and broken, or whatever. So... Tannhauser, Carla Tannhauser is like, actually, the cure is fine. Don't worry about it. You can just take it. Uh, but Frost <laughs> is like, I don't want to take it because it's my identity. I don't want to lose who I am, which is a person with ice powers. Um, and so she does not want to take it. But Kramer's like, you have to take it because I am medicist. And one time <laughs> I lost a platoon <laughs> to a deceitful metahuman. Um, and now I would like to set a precedent of using the cure as a form of punishment because somehow the whole world is watching this trial in Kansas or wherever the hell Central City is and they're going to just follow that precedent now even though that does not make sense because trials don't start at the city level and then move up to the state they start at the state level and then move up to the Supreme Court which is where they would set a precedent but we are not doing that we are in Earth Prime Lawland understanding of the laws like <laughs> exactly. whatever <laughs> which sounds like a terrible place to commit crimes so anyway um, in court, Frost gives an awesome speech about how unjust it would be to force a cure on someone and how different is not bad or scary or dangerous or whatever she said. I don't remember. It was very X-Men, but it was great. And then she's like, I'll just take life in prison without parole. Yeah. Like, no one you asked you to do that. <laughs> no one asked you no like, without the parole part. <laughs> exactly. You literally could have just said, I'll take. 15 years. Like, she didn't even kill anyone. You yeah. haven't even killed anyone. Right. Your name is not even... Okay, anyway. So whatever. <laughs> Moving on. She takes life in prison without parole. And the judge is like, sounds good to me. And uh, Cecile, the best lawyer in the world, is not like, uh, I think that my client needs a psychological exam. I think we have to break for her to check her mental health because maybe I'm going to plead insanity this time. Anyway, then Nina Simone plays while... Caitlin looks at that art that the four-year-old... That tragic art. Oh, oh my yes. god. Which I think <laughs> it was too sense. long of her sitting on the floor, like, weeping over... <laughs> Listen, Frost is like a baby, okay? Frost is like three years old, so if she can draw that well, props to her! But anyway... <laughs> um, so, what brought joy? Well, I mean, like, starting with, like, the, the better plot, which was the B plot, which was actually... Very, very minor. Much more minor than other B-plots in other episodes. Um, I really liked seeing Barry interact with Alexa and how much patience and empathy he has for her. Um, in contrast to Nora. <laughs> because, it, I mean, it just shows, like, the core of Barry's heart and Barry's character and who he is as a hero and that he is a good guy and that he cares for people um, even when they do bad things. And Alexa, her situation 
with, you know, having a, a drug addiction and trying to like be better and be part of the community and, and further her life. And this thing happened to her. And now she's in a situation where she blacks out and she doesn't know what happens. And she's hurting people. She doesn't want to hurt people. I think the, the actress that played Alexa did a really, really good job of making her very empathetic or not empathetic, but sympathetic um, with what she's going through and having this force thrust upon her. Um, and so I, I really felt for her and seeing um, Barry be able to get through to her and convince her to go to Star Labs and promise her that, you know, we will get through this together, we'll protect you. It was very, very moving. And then it also made it very um, emotional when Nora was like, fuck that. <laughs> We're going to kill you. Um, and her turn, even like the build up towards it, because like, you know, she was getting very needy and needing Barry to go her way. And like the confrontation that she has with Iris, I, I love that Iris stood up to um, her for Barry in that moment, because, you know, still like she's, you know, she has Nora's face and so she feels very human. She feels very much like Barry's mother, but she's not Barry's mother. She's a god. Um, and that kind of got lost in it for a couple, like the last episode. But like Iris is standing up to a god for her husband and being like, he's not going to do that because it's not how we do stuff around here. And if you're going to be human and in this human world, then you have to do things a human way. Um, so I like that. Um, that confrontation and then the kind of realization towards the end when Iris is right and Barry is able to convince Alexa in his way and not Nora's way that she's like, you are his lightning rod. It was very ominous when she like looked at Iris in that moment because I was like, I don't think that Nora should be here for this experiment because she's like a little bit unstable at the moment. Um, But when she told Iris that it was very kind of like, ominous in the way that she said it and then her using her powers to um manipulate barry because it's like she can't manipulate barry directly because he doesn't listen to her he listens to iris and so if i can't manipulate the man directly i just manipulate the lightning rod to manipulate the man um so it's kind of interesting because that's how like lightning like lightning strikes the lightning rod and then it like just like dissipates throughout the ground mm. just like i'm just gonna strike the lightning rod and it worked because barry jumped and you know and then she got her way eventually she can't do that again consistently so we'll see in the next episode how she manipulates barry to continue to do what she wants to do um but that part i thought was really um interesting. It's just like, damn it, Nora. It's like, I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Because <laughs> I really like, I was thinking like, I, I'm so excited for when Bart comes and then ho- I hope Nora is still here so we can have like this sweet <laughs> force and her grandchildren. And, you know, all of my hopes are dashed at the moment. <laughs> um, I thought that was a really like well put together plot. And then in the A plot, um, a lot happened, but the thing that I like the most, and it's probably it's an unpopular opinion in fandom, because I know fandom has a lot of opinions about Frost and um, Caitlyn and everything, um, but Frost is in my likes, because I feel like she was the only mature person on Team Flash with regards to her trial and taking accountability, and I think partially it's because the writers made Team Flash so ridiculous 
that it made her maturity stand out that much more. Um, but I, I liked her speech, taking responsibility. I liked that when she had the conversation with Kristen Kramer and realized what Kristen Kramer's intention, intentions were, that it made even more sense to her why she had to, you know, take this harsher punishment upon herself in order to um, prevent, you know, other metahumans who make mistakes or get into bad situations, do crimes, just be stripped of her of their metahuman powers as like the baseline of punishment instead of you know going to prison or doing other things. So um, I like, and again, she kind of like reinforced that you know I've done bad things and. Um, you know, taking accountability for all of that. So I feel like that was good for her. Um, I feel like there were like revelations because I was live tweeting. And one of the things like when I'm live tweeting, I can't really like also take notes and actually pay attention right. to all right. of the things that are going on in the episode. So I feel like there's revelations about like song choices um, that kind of sours that plot a little bit. But for Frost, I think it was a good episode for Frost in um, this episode and the previous episode, like the final parts of the previous episode and her taking accountability and kind of having the light bulb moment of this is what I need to do if I want to actually be a hero. And I think she even said, like, I can't expect the community of Central City to believe that I've changed if I don't actually show them that I've changed or something like that. So props to her for for doing that. Yes, that was very, I agree, it was very mature of her. And I think that she was, like, before she had been in denial about it, and then she was just kind of, like, coming to terms that, like like Tati said, you know, Frost is a three-year-old, I guess. <laughs> so um, her learning that there are consequences for her actions and that she actually voluntarily took those consequences, even though, I mean, she got caught. And that's when she took consequences because right. she was backed into a corner and she had to. But she didn't, once she was actually backed into the corner, she didn't run away from those consequences. She wasn't trying to get out of it. She wasn't trying to pull any stunts to, you know, get away and move out of the country or some wild thing, you know. So, yeah, she does get props for that and for kind of being the level-headed one um, on Team Flash this time who are being <laughs> completely irrational. <laughs> It's like if Frost is the mature one out of all of you here, that's yeah. just really sad. But anyway, that's that's for another section. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also enjoyed the B plot way more, and I think that it didn't get the the attention that it needed for such a for the arc that it was. But I did like what we got anyway, like Barry actually being out in the field. I love that they separated. <laughs> the West Allens from like the Frost storyline <laughs> completely and they're just like you're gonna deal with this you know Fuerza with the lightning stuff it's all good you just take care of that <laughs> so appreciated that um and the fact that like we from the beginning of the episode through the end of the episode we sort of see you know Speed Force Nora's evolution into her losing her cool completely because it was like hinted at, at the beginning. She was obviously like not here for Alexa at all. She was immediate. She was acting like, you know, what's her face? Um, Kramer was basically like, you are bad. <laughs> um, 
So that whole thing with like investigating as a CSI, even though it's creepy, like I understand why Alexa was nervous about it because obviously like, oh, he works with the CCPD. He's out to get me. Um, So all of that was really great, like build up and tension. And I really felt for Alexa because she did seem like a great, great character. And with in one episode, she just brought like the actress brought the emotion. Um, There were so many layers to her. And it was really heartbreaking to find out for her that, you know, she was becoming this person that she didn't have any control over. Um, And that was. So, yeah, it was really heartbreaking to see, like, what happens to her at the end. Um, and also, like, Nora's turn into, you know, emo Nora, who's suddenly in a position where she's, like, she literally thinks that all of these um, forces are trying to attack her. Um, and it was, like, really interesting to see, like, she was just very, um, she's not even defensive, she was offensive. She was, like in the offense position and she was just not here for any of the forces. So she just assumed they were all bad for reasons we really don't realize yet because it's like they haven't really been attacking her that we've seen. We just assume that they have been because she says that they have. Um, so that term was really interesting. And the fact that she went after Iris knowing that Barry would save her so she can strip the lightning from him in that moment and do what she thought she needed to do uh, was really like, I felt attacked. <laughs> um, I did not like uh, like that moment for um, Alexa, but like it was a really intense moment that was really, really well done. And just like everyone's face is like, I can't believe she just did that. Um, so all that was great. I'm glad that Michelle Harrison's getting to play this dynamic um, version of her character, sort of. <laughs> um, so kudos. Yeah, it's very nice to see Michelle Harrison do something other than die. Uh, so I'm really proud of her for that. Um, and I love being correct. Uh, I, (laughs) I knew that Speed Force Nora was shady from the start. There was something wrong. It was not correct. I thought it was me that was like shady of hers. Like, I I wanted to believe her. (laughs) I was fooled. (laughs) So sad. Um, yeah, she, she tried, she tried. She almost got us. But, um, regardless. I did think that the Alexa plot was good. I mean, I really felt for Alexa. I wanted to get to know her. I thought she seemed great. She would have been such a nice addition. Like, obviously, I don't want to stick around forever. But it would have been nice to have seen her hang out with the group. Or, you know, learn to be a hero and then go off and be a hero elsewhere. But instead, it was ripped away from us. But it was done, you know. It was like a good twist. Like, oh, shit, did that just happen? So, so I will say that even though I did not think it was surprising that Speed Force Nora... Speed Force, whatever, if if you even are the Speed Force, um, was <laughs> evil, or at least, you know, uh, dangerously amoral, it was a surprise that they would go that far in that moment. So, you know, props to them. Also, I did love the it, it, cheesy along the lines of, like, when you fail to save me, you also killed our children, or whatever the hell she said. <laughs> so I was like, I kind of like, just like, Iris may be your lightning rod, but I'm the lightning. Uh, I'm yeah, like, yes. I thought, I was like, damn, Nora! <laughs> yes! And someone was With like, such she conviction. used Iris's words against her, which I feel like, I was like, yeah. Because I think when, when Nora was like, in her feelings, and in her like, berry burrito blanket, <laughs> Nora, like, Iris is like, you know, you're still the, his lightning. And she's like, yeah, I am. Yep. And then she's like, turn around and use those words against her. It's like, damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And it was well done, well done, She's well like, played. She's human in that her manipulation worked. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, so so that was fun, uh, but also sad for Alexa. Uh, in the Frost storyline, I do think that from a Frost character perspective, it was good. Frost needs to take, you know, responsibility for her actions. Frost needs to like pay her quote unquote debt to society, whatever, whatever, whatever. So I liked what Frost was doing in this episode. I like I thought it made sense, and then her farewell was very sweet. All of that was good. I have a lot of problems with the storyline outside of that, but I do think this was like Frost's best episode mm-hmm. since like I don't know the first time we saw Killer Frost, you know, uh, which is just a totally different character. It's not even the same, you know. I don't know. I don't know how you could reconcile these two characters, but in this iteration of Frost. This was probably like her best, her best storyline in terms of her growth. Whether or not we like just never see her again and that's the end of her growth, we'll find out. So what did not spark joy or lightning? <laughs> I think that there is just the fact that there was so little of the West Allen Nora slash Alexis storyline. Because um, even as an A plot and B plot, the B plot felt super minor compared to the A plot. And I feel like the B-plot storyline was a storyline that was so much more interesting because it's continuing on in, like, the Force quest, which is the main part of this part of the the arc anyway. Um, so I felt like we got so little of that. Um, I, I'm, obviously, I'm like, damn it, Nora. Um, why did you have to, like, be bad? Like, you know. Um, so that was, like, an unfortunate part of the storyline because I just wanted... Speed Force and Wes Allen to be like one big happy family so that when 150 episodes rolled around, we can just be one big happy Flash family, but that's just not going to happen for me in this moment. I have to like deal with that <laughs> on my own time, like reconcile it. Um, the Three Stooges and their dumbass plot to infiltrate CCPD and destroy all the Metahuman cures. Like, First of all, the cure is supposed to be voluntary. Like, like you know, Cisco and, you know, Kayla, like, why are they forcing Frost to take it? It's supposed to be voluntary. Like, if it was supposed to be voluntary, like, why did you give it to the police? <laughs> like, I feel like that was, like, here is a weapon that you can use against metahumans to <laughs> level the playing field. Like, why would you give it to them in the first place if it's supposed to be this kind of, like, voluntary cure that people could take or not take? Because I feel like if I'm a metahuman and I don't want my powers, I'm like, I'm too dangerous I don't want to go to the police. <laughs> I'd rather go to like Walgreens or CVS or some kind of like, can I just like take the <laughs> somewhere that's not a police? So that was your first mistake, first of all. Um, and then I feel like it was stupid because I predicted that Kristen would have saved. She's like hated Frost that much. I feel like she would have safeguarded one and I was right. Like she would have like kept one for herself personally and held it, like slept with it under her pillow this is going to go for Frost, you know? So the fact that they even thought that that was going to be the end all of it, I thought was stupid. Um, they also broke the law. So <laughs> who's going to arrest them for that? I don't know. <laughs> um, and I think it's, I, I mean, I think it's a little fr- extreme that Frost offered life in prison without parole. Like you played yourself, girl, like, you know, <laughs> without parole, life in prison, first of all, um, you know, 15 to 20 would have been right in the ballpark and then you have a, like option for parole. I still feel like they could have done the suicide squad route and they didn't, which why? 
I mean, I guess he still could after she's in jail. And then, because Diggle has to come in some point with Argus. And, like, why else would they come in at this point? I don't know. But I feel like um, with Kristen going to some kind of research facility, Argus-like research facility, and I think the guy that she met there is the same guy that Cisco was suspicious of, like, in a previous episode. So it's, something is goes going on there. Um, but, I, you know, she was... Frost was like playing herself a little bit with like the life without parole because that's a little extreme. Um, I and I don't quite understand the extreme of take the cure because life in prison was a viable option. Um, so why would a judge be like, no, it definitely has to be the cure? If she took the cure, does that mean she doesn't have to go to prison? Like that wasn't really fully explained. And then I feel like for a episode that was about a trial. We didn't actually see a trial. Um, personally, I don't think the prosecution proved their case, or I guess we just didn't get to see it because we didn't have a trial. Um, and then we just, instead of like a trial and sentencing, we had Kristen's like one-sided vendetta against Frost, um, which I also think was a mistake. Because I think making it into a, a vendetta of Kristen projecting onto Frost something that Frost didn't actually do, but something that happened to Kristen with one other meta that she didn't like, Instead of pulling a story from one of Frost's actual victims that are outside of Team Flash, we know what she did to Team Flash, and we know vaguely of her other crimes that she did, and but we don't have any victims from Central City citizens of what that did to them and how that affected them. So I feel like that would have been a more compelling story than this cop with an agenda because one meta person did something wrong to them and now Frost has to specifically pay. Like I think it would have it would have been better if it was personal. Like if it was personal to punch Frost for more severely um for something that she actually did do to someone. Like if someone's like, you killed my husband because blah 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 blah. I wanted to see you get your powers stripped. That would have been like a more compelling story right. than what we got. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that would have made a lot more sense about why they had to go to this extreme to, you know, make Frost be like, actually, I think I'll just, you know, life in prison to protect the other metas or whatever. Um, Caitlin, in her attempt as one-third of the Three Scrooges to force Frost's acquittal with breaking the law, I thought it was ridiculous. Um, she was being ridiculous, and I think a little bit out of character or, or whatever – um, like, this is why you don't make the plans, girl, because <laughs> clearly you don't know what you're doing. Um, and then, like, Danielle, I feel like she, they really do feel like two different people, and Frost is a better acted person <laughs> than Caitlyn. <laughs> I feel like she's so much better acting as Frost than she is Caitlyn, and I just don't get how that's possible. Um, like, the whole sequence where she is, you know... Caitlin is like, why can't you take the cure? And all of these like pain faces and you just get like all this like manic arm waving of, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it was just like not great. Um, I just feel like she's better acting as Frost for whatever reason. And I like, I like Frost better as a character. And I just, you know, if there was any way that I would rather it been like a parent trap situation where Caitlin was like, Frost, you barely got a chance to live. Let me take your place in prison and like dress up as like Frost and like Frost dresses Caitlyn and then Caitlyn goes to jail and then Frost is like, 
now I must live for the both of us, but I can't live in Central City because I can't use my powers. And so she like goes away. Like that would have been <laughs> fine for me. Um, just because I prefer Frost to Caitlyn. Um, but I just like the fact that Frost is the one that's going away. Um, and the way that she's going away, I, it doesn't sit right with me when Caitlyn's right there. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and then, like, the, the what I alluded to earlier about, you know, the external s- circumstances that I didn't realize watching the episode, um, but was clued into later. The song that they were using was a Nina Simone song. And some of the other um, Black Lives Matter Matter references that people picked up on, like the fact that, you know, in Frost Beach, she was talking about differences and you're scared of me because I'm different, but, you know, um, being unique is okay and I'm here to stay and all this kind of stuff. Um, and how that um, drew comparisons to Black Lives Matters. And then there's the fact that I think Kung Fu um, also had a Black Lives Matter episode this week that didn't really hit some of the marks that people were wanting it to hit. And um, the reason for that being is because the network ordered them to have a Black Lives Matters episode. Um, and what maybe possibly the network or- also ordered that from The Flash, which, you know, we've seen like several Black Lives Matter references in Black Lightning already. Um, I know All American had like a Black Lives Matter um, episode as well. Um, so we were trying to be like, maybe that wasn't it, <laughs> but it seems more likely when you combine it with this episode, last week's episode, or the last episode with this episode, that it's this kind of is their attempt at it. It's just kind of bad. I don't know. Like, I feel like with Eric, you know, I can understand that, like, I don't want my black characters to experience a Black Lives Matter, be the subject of that, because that would not be great. Um, but I don't know if you just like underestimated how much people hate (laughs) (laughs) or the, you know, how much people would hate a white woman in a black lives matter situation. I don't know what that was, but it just did not work in that way. Um, so that's not great. I felt like Joe and Kristen's conversation was really weird and it didn't go the way they expected it to go because she came in and she's like, uh, my bad. <laughs> Hope we're still cool. And he was like, I still respect you. And I was like, what? Like, Joe has been caping for Frost for two episodes. And, like, Kristen is only saying, like, mea culpa because she lost. And Joe's like, I respect it, girl. I respect the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's just like this kind of, like, weird all sides matter kind of vibe. And it's just, like, confusing. Because either she's right, which she clearly wasn't. Where she's wrong, and you let her know it. Like, Joe should be like, you fucked up, and this wasn't right. And, you know, he, he shouldn't be like, I still love you, girl. Like, it was just, like, weird. And it's just, like, this whole, like, good game, good sportsmanship. Like, thing. like <laughs> what is that? I don't understand. So, I, yeah, there was some, like, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing there. Yeah. The fact that he told her, like, you're still a good cop. I was like, what? How? <laughs> How is she still a good cop? Clearly. <laughs> Side-eyeing the whole scene. I was like, I don't know what's happening here, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with all that. I mean, one person did point out that the Nina Simone song was specifically, like, it's not her song. It was somebody else's song. It was about Billie infidelity. Holiday, it, 
yes about infidelity but i but mean like you, you dina simone is still a choice it was still a choice yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and billy holiday herself was someone who was yeah. hounded by the government exactly. for standing up for black rights so even if the song itself is not about that yeah. the choice of singer and then the choice of who it's a cover of also is like Exactly. So yes. that that was certainly a choice, and it's like you could have chosen other songs, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I completely agree, and I think especially since I don't know because like even the court case itself, like you said, we didn't really get a trial, and it bounced back and forth between different things. First of all, it was like about Frost committing these crimes that she actually did commit, and you know she was facing consequences for, and then it suddenly turned to. I want to keep my powers. People with powers aren't bad. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really know how we got here <laughs> <laughs> through, especially since it's through Kramer. Like you said, she was projecting her issues onto Frost specifically and making an example out of her. But then that just makes or Kramer look terrible. I mean, she was already t- looking terrible, but makes her even look worse because she was using the justice system itself to go after someone who didn't, inflict personal harm on her like i get what she was going for but it also is like and then she i don't know flash like yes like, i mean what you were you... saying like oh it's only about the people who met us who harm people or whatever and like, I i'm a medicist but you're one of the good ones <laughs> flash it's okay <laughs> yeah it was just a weird roundabout way to get to the point where you can make frost look good taking a sentence voluntarily you know what i mean like yeah (laughs) so it was yeah it was very heavy-handed and it was just there could have been a different way they could have handled it because i think in general if they were trying to go for the storyline you already had someone who was in the prison system you had allegra you could have done something there because it's like she was convicted of something she didn't actually do and then use that to point out the holes in the justice system to begin with. So the fact that you had Joe caping for Frost, you had the whole team doing illegal shit in the episode she was being charged for, like that made no, no sense whatsoever. And it also goes back to this whole idea, like that. We're supposed to like root for it. Like we're right. It's presented like, yeah, we want them to like neutralize all this stuff. and like, whatever. Yeah. And it just goes back to the whole thing about, superheroes and superhero teams in general kind of making sidestepping the law and also making up their own rules about what is and isn't right because of what they feel personally mm-hmm. like about how you know oh frost is a good person I'm like yeah but you that you're making that decision she to didn't you? actually show <laughs> the community about how she's suddenly a good person i mean this maybe will i don't know but the whole the whole thing was is kind of a mess because even like the judge you know <laughs> it's not like she was the one coming down with the, with the verdict at the end so like why couldn't you just decide what to give her did you didn't have to give her the metahuman cure you didn't have to give her life in prison right. you could have right. gone somewhere in between and be like oh well like you said either suicide squad or i don't know like maybe a few years in prison and then were. give her like community service or something because again she did do stuff she still yeah. didn't actually commit the murders but there just could have been a whole different way you could have gone around it. Around it, and Team Flash <laughs> prosecution was sloppy. Let's sloppy. Just get that out of the way. Oh my god, <laughs> so sloppy! And it was just—it was like watching a really, really bad courtroom drama because there was no 
it's not even call a drama. It was just a bad courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had like Team Flash trying to, you know, neutralize the metahuman cure, which, you know, that's it's great that they brought it back up and decided suddenly because there was that one year they they wanted to use it on every meta and I'm just like well shouldn't it be a choice whether metahumans should keep their powers or not and now they brought it back and it's like yes it should be a choice I'm like you guys change your mind just when somebody said that it shouldn't be right a because like the last who what was the guy's name that they were trying they created it for and they were like he should definitely take it because he's is a murderer and he's gonna like kill all of yeah. us. Like you were, you know, you didn't have any qualms about that. Well, they, I feel like they did have a a tiny qualm, but it was overwhelmingly yeah. But it was like very. It was like later it. in the game at that point, right? Um, but yeah, it was. <laughs> so that was messy. And then I don't even understand the decision on Caitlyn's part to send Allegra, who does have a record, yes, to <laughs> try to get the metahuman cure and neutralize it. Like, what the hell are you doing? You're just standing there at the front desk. Why don't you go? This is your girl. <laughs> you go back there and, and do it yourself. Like, I don't understand. And the fact that even, like, Allegra would cape so hard for Frost herself knowing her history with the institution is just, it, it makes me sad because, like, she doesn't need to get involved in these things. She just needs to go to the citizen and write her stories like she said she yeah, would. I feel like I, I hope she got a damn good story out <laughs> I of know. Kristen Kramer because if she used like the citizen to like do illegal activities, I'm pretty sure Iris would not be happy with that after making her like a full time reporter. Yeah, like, that's just, not a good thing. It is not a good thing, and I just the whole thing was such a mess. And you know, they took away from they could have added several more scenes with the whole Barry Iris Nora storyline because that was really interesting. And I feel like if they had done that, then there would have been more of a balance and the other side of things with the frost stuff wouldn't have seemed so over the top and long because it really was. And it just took up way too much time for something that like you came to an unexpected conclusion with the frost, but I still don't like the fact that that's how we got there to begin with. Yep. <laughs> um, I don't have a lot to add because I totally agree with everything that y'all said, especially what almost all of my dislikes are from the not trial, the sentencing aspect of it. Um, just all the law loopholes <laughs> um, were stupid, but they could have been easily forgiven if the more if like we had come out of it with a moral, even if we we don't. Like, even if you're like, okay, no, it's not. There's no Black Lives Matter connection. Y'all are crazy. It's fine. It's just a normal X-Men thing, right? Metas are not bad. Metas are your friend. Okay, well, there's many things wrong with the way that it was presented, right? Even, like, from, from it being Frost being taken in for something she did do, so it's like, okay, the only problem then becomes excessive punishment and mm -hmm. not... And not that she is trying to prove that she didn't do it or that, you know, she's actually innocent. She's a nice person, whatever, whatever. So they went really hard on the excessive punishment. It was very excessive. <laughs> and But also stupid. Like, why would the judge ever agree to removing Frost's powers when we see that Frost has been doing good for the city, right? Right. Like, there's no, it's, there's no reason because no one else shares Kramer's random hatred of Meta's because that one time, that one meta said they were her friend, and then they were not her friend. Like, there's it's like no Barry Allen that... would like a word. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, so so that seemed really dumb to me that that anyone would go along with it at all. She's not even the one with like the power in the situation to push it forward. If she had been the prosecutor, that'd be different. Mm-hmm. But for her to be the cop and then be the one, or just like a cop there, I guess, an officer, and then being like, yeah, that makes sense. We'll just go with that. It was just like okay, very stupid. Um, and then of course the fact that Frost would suggest life in prison with no parole was again it's it feels like they just want her off the show and they're like okay life in prison she can't come back <laughs> um so like if she does somehow come back if they did if they pull her out for like you know i'm sure they'll pull her out for like a crossover or whatever be like oh it's too big we need frost you know what i mean mm-hmm. um next season then it's just gonna feel like a cop out like okay so mm-hmm. she's not really like she can get out why did you do that and then b i don't even like frost mm, you know i don't i don't care about Panda Baker characters, but for this to be the culmination of her storyline, like she becomes a person, she learns how to live in society, she wants to give back, she's paying for her sins, and then and her story ends. <laughs> yeah, with life in prison with no parole. Like, what yeah. kind of ending is that? That's the bleakest shit ever. You like, shouldn't have just... split them up in that case, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, but I still have my powers. I can't yeah, go anywhere that's... except for these four. I can't look at anything. Yeah, she won't even walls. be able to use them in prison anyway, right? right? Like they have yeah. a section for metahumans, which yeah, that nullifies your powers. So it's like, what are you doing? It doesn't make any. It doesn't make sense. You didn't. You didn't prove. Like all you did was prevent a a, a precedent that was never gonna. There was this precedent would not go anywhere. You think metahumans would just be like, yes, please take my powers? No, it would be like a war. So anyway, uh, that was just dumb. It, did, it didn't do whatever. Eric thought it was gonna do and then and then at the end at the end for Joe like no matter how you look at it but if you look at it as a BLM equivalent for Joe to then tell the instigator of the situation good job was, that, exactly who has then ended with Frost <laughs> with life in, in, life in prison with no parole I mean she's alive but no parole life in prison and then Joe to be like you know what you're a good person. Thanks. Thanks for playing. <laughs> like, how? how? This is horrible on all levels. That was like the, just like the nail in the coffin of that storyline, or at least whatever message that storyline was trying to send. Because no, she's not a good person, obviously. She's a shit person and a shit cop. So, yeah, I didn't like that, obviously. Um, the Nina Simone song, yeah, I mean, we could have picked a different song. But if we hadn't, like, if the storyline had been different, like, it's not like it's because it's about Frost that'll like it. You know, it could have been, if the storyline just did not have anything to do with that, then it would have been fine. It's just, you know, some other departure of Frost. Then you'd be like, yes, it's a breakup song. But instead it was like, this feels loaded in a stupid way. Bad choice. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Because I like the other storyline. I mean, if only I'd just like to go back in time and make Alexa live again. Yeah. So that's it. So, feedback. Um, obviously we had a lot of people with a lot of feelings on this. So we had Anita, Suara, Lillian, and Sonia. Um, Anita says, I know they did not just use Anita Simone's song for this shit. They should have called this episode Common Decency versus Killer Frost because for so many reasons, it seems like the show is stumbling around and trying to do a restorative justice storyline for that character. Well, here's the deal. The Steel Horton Esquire the definition of restorative justice varies, but <laughs> I, it doesn't work without the victim and the community aware of and buying into the rehabbing of the perpetrator. This is no restorative justice because the white woman's friends are under some psychosis that made them forget about the past that she was by the flash's side getting knocked on her ass while not committing crimes or acknowledging the harm she caused is not restorative justice. 
A state system forcing a meta to suppress their powers is weird. But anyway, Killer Frost is not a meta. Wasn't she genetically created in the Killer Frost retcon or whatever? So isn't she a mutant? Which I think, like, I feel like this story parallels the Black Lightning conversation between Thunder Grace. Because I feel like it's it's similar in the whole, like, you know, to keep your powers or not to keep your powers. But also because Killer Frost and Grace are on the same wavelength is that they're not metas. They weren't created in the same way. Um, so I, I, I also think it was, I guess it's a not joy that, you know, um, whatever, Tannhauser, their mom was like, you'll be fine. <laughs> Just take the cure. Like, I feel like that's probably not how that should have gone, but whatever. Um, back to Anita. She says, my dislikes come down to this in no universe in any time period will it ever be okay for Killer Frost to equate Killer Frost's situation with the lived experience, the lived experiences that shaped Nina Simone, an incomparable American treasure and a musical icon who fought visceral racism and injustice. I had no idea Eric Wallace was this tone deaf. So glad that Iris never wasted any energy on the twin sister of her maid of honor, but that was, but was on comms with the lookout for Furzer instead. Um, when Furzer first appeared, I did not notice that she looked anguished in her face. But it was a small detail, so I said, meh. Watching Alexa Rivera actually emote and express heartfelt regret and horror at the at the things that she had done was leagues away from Killer Frost's journey forced on us. But then, oh look, a woman of color once again appears to have paid with her mistakes for her life. With her life. Um, but guess what, ladies? This guess how long Guess how this show might resolve the Speed Force's anger issues? By getting Killer Frost out of lockup and amplifying her frost powers to slow down the lightning and help save the city. It would be a horrific ending to the story, but giving Killer Frost molecular effort or whatever on Barry Speed powers, it's within reach. And if a show has enough and there's like expletive emoji (laughs) (laughs) symbols, caucasity... To try to get sympathy for an unrepentant white woman in and with a Nina Simone ballad, and um, she goes on to help beat the Speed Force. They'll keep that character around for the rest of the show. Shit. So <laughs> clearly, Anita is not a fan, um, and she makes like a good prediction. You know that possibly Frost could be called upon to get out of jail to help stop the speed force. So, you know, that's I always feel like in... such a waste of all of our lives. After yeah. This two episodes. <laughs> it, it would be like a waste of like frost, like putting her foot down and be like, I'm taking accountability to just get out the next episode. But we know, we know how the frost, uh, the frost, <laughs> I'm already making it her show. <laughs> the flash does with its feelings. Um, it has chilled our hearts. <laughs> right. Lillian says, I went in with extremely low expectations for this episode, but it wasn't as bad as I feared. For plot A, props to Frost for being the only mature person on the side of the pod and actually understanding why she was where she was and taking full responsibility for her previous crimes. I'll just have to make peace with the fact that we'll never get a proper apology from her. Um, slash Caitlin to Iris for what went down in season three. Anyway, her big speech at the end was eye roll worthy eye roll worthy because it's clear that the writers are trying to send a deeper message about racial inequality and or lgbt plus rights but it was completely off mark kramer said clearly that her issues with criminal metahumans so we didn't need the whole <laughs> hashtag metalized matter speech from frost and the audacity played miss moan at that point tisk tisk understood where frost was coming from 
or sorry, understood where Kramer was coming from with the proposed punishment, but thought it was still a bit extreme. Why not have Frost wear metahuman dampeners for the duration of her prison sentence instead of forcing her to take the cure? Taking the cure is almost the same level in seriousness as the death penalty the death penalty, in my opinion. Mm. Realistically, wouldn't these kinds of legal matters be resolved at the Supreme Court level? Especially considering that being in the same universe now, Black Lightning had hearings about metahumans last season, so there's precedence of these conversations happening at higher levels of government. Caitlin continues to be the most selfish person on the team, and it's funny how the narrative continues, continues to coddle her and not hold her accountable for the choices that she makes. She clearly admitted to obstruction of justice in a court of law, and everyone's just like, mm, shrug. Also, not to be a hater, but DP's, um, Danielle's acting choices show to show Kate's sadness, frustration were comical. Yeah, they really were. Yeah. It was so bad. Um, in plot B, she says, Iris looked amazing as always. Love seeing her standing up to the speed force. Barry should have kept up with the face vibration and voice modulations he did in season one whenever he interacts mm. one-on-one with strangers as a flash because anyone with eyes can easily put two and two together and guess his identity. Um, the sage force had a well-fleshed-out backstory that actually made me... I think she meant... Um, Strength Force um, had a well fleshed out backstory that actually made me like her and drew me into her story. I guess the attack from Nora is what will push her to go over to the dark side. I think she's dead, girl. <laughs> she's not, there's no dark side for her to go to because she's gone. <laughs> um, her predictions Frost will do something heroic that gets her out of jail for good. So basically, she's on the same wavelength as Anita that Frost doesn't actually stay in jail, even though she put herself there. Um, and she says, even if Danielle leaves at the end of the season, the, the sisters maybe leave town, and start a new life, and no one, where no one knows of their past. Um, Cisco revealing his real fear to Camilla will be the catalyst for him to leave Central City for good. One scenario would be him and Camilla leaving Central City to start his new tech empire in another city with better tax rates. <laughs> and, <laughs> or her other theory is related to. The Cisco Kate crack ship and the theory that his big fear has to do with Caitlin dying. So um, going back to to that, my previous um, theory helped with Adora um, that his actual fear is like Caitlin dying. So maybe something to do with that. Um, and Cisco realizes that Kate is his OPTP and they run off together with Frost with a clean slate. <laughs> you know, I could see them do that. To or be Camilla. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like and if Cisco can... decides to leave Central City, Caitlin be like, "Like, what is Caitlin gonna do? All her good scenes are with Cisco, <laughs> right? Like, what is she, she doesn't really have? Okay, never mind. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thoughts on the cast news? She's not surprised with the exit since we expected some shakeups with the contract negotiations rolling around. Sad to see Carlos and Tom go, especially knowing 2019 was the last Comic Con shenanigans that we'll ever get. Um. Cisco hasn't had any media storylines in season three, and Tom obviously had his fun with all the different wells over the years. Wish them all the best in their next endeavors. And hope we get to see Cisco back in a guest or recurring recurring role in the final season, at least. Um, thank you, Lillian. Suara says, uh, "Flash, flash, flash." Even though the main subject matter wasn't my favorite, this is actually overall a good episode of The Flash. 
Barry Irison's Speed Force conflict was fantastic. I love how well Michelle Harrison is doing, playing a cosmic force in human form that doesn't understand it can't just do as it wants to do, and it's fine. Save the day. Um, the episode showcased why Barry and I are so important in using the Speed Force's powers for good and standing against it when it's corrupted. This is giving me Jean Grey slash Phoenix vibes, by the way. Um, Iris, in particular, sending up Snorri was amazing, and Candace continues to be the star of the show. Actually, didn't see that twist at the end coming, and I'm honestly excited for where the story goes. Um, on the other plot, are they trying to make a civil rights analogy with Meadows through Frost? I know this isn't the police corruption violence episode we're getting later, but ugh, I was lukewarm at first, just dealing with it, but the ending of the sequence had him, like, you know, with like the little drunk face emojis. Um, Glad Killer Frost gave herself up for her legitimate crimes. Kaylin got a minor so much this episode, she literally was being a white feminist for herself. Danielle's overacting didn't help. Um, really wish... <laughs> Never mind. Um, I'm going to skip that part. <laughs> you, you can see what he really wished on Tumblr. Um, but he also added that (laughs) (laughs) you can, you can, you can only imagine, um, to add one more thing to my flash feedback, literally just found out that they're using their Simone song for Frost and oh my God, this is not okay. So he was also, um, not okay with that choice, song choice. And then, uh, finally we have Sonia who says. Wait a minute. So, there it is. Okay. This episode was not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be, and I'm glad that there were some moments with Wes Allen to tie me through the sea of Danielle's terrible acting. Um, is it just me, or have they never had a sign language interpreter at court? Like, I don't know why during COVID filming, when filming protocols are hard enough that they would just hire some random actress to be a sign language interpreter when they've never had one like that. I thought that was an interesting addition to it. I thought it was nice to see the sign language interpreter, but it's kind of interesting that there was. Yeah, I agree. No one there see it because it's realistic, and also you know maybe someone will make use of it while watching the episode. But uh, it was kind of random that they would focus on it or show it. You know what I mean? Because there's no one in in the show that needs it. So it was like okay. Um, even though this the scene where Allegra, Caitlin, and Cisco team up to destroy the cure samples was really well done, I think it was just so dumb. It was so reckless to destroy the samples when Kristen can when Kramer can just say that Frost did it or had someone do it, which plays right into the prosecutor's argument and makes Frost less believable in the judge's eyes. Nevertheless, it's cruel to make her take the cure against her will just because she used her powers for bad at one point before now becoming a hero. And then Kramer says that she only wants evil metahumans to take the cure. Like, any metahuman can go evil, as evidence in season one, when Bivolo made Barry go evil, or in season six, when Ramsey made Barry go evil, and any metahuman can go good, as evidence with Frost, so I don't know what Kramer's angle is. Um, which is, you know, a good point. You can be, you can do a bad thing and not be a bad person. Um, so that one action shouldn't define your right. whole and it's Meta like cutting life. off your hand. Like, if you're a thief, I'm going to cut off your hands, right? Like, right. Uh. <laughs> um, to find out that Forza is just a scared young girl who has no control over what she's doing and is really trying to help people and turn her life around and whatnot was so so sad. And the speed force nor straight up villainizing her was scary. Glad that Iris talked some sense into her. 
Um, next episode looks so amazing. I don't know why I actually still on this, but Speed Force Norse is a person thing. Like, come on, girl, please stop. <laughs> so thank you, Sonia. And everybody's feedback, again, as always, will be uploaded in September over the weekend. So you can look forward to that. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And that's everything. Yes, it is. Uh, do we have any predictions? Uh, someone brought this up. So it's not my prediction. It is a colleague's prediction. <laughs> Who just dropped it into the Slack? He's like, you know, what if Speed Force Nora is actually Godspeed? I'm like, hmm, interesting. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I don't case. want it to be. Yeah, I don't want it to be either. But I think that it it would be interesting if she tied into Godspeed somehow. Right. Maybe um, sh- maybe Nora Speed Force Nora creates Godspeed in like as someone who will do what she wants. Yeah, exactly. Like she, maybe we can get like Cobalt Blue, except he's Godspeed, right? Like she makes a twin of Barry, and she's like, "Here, now my perfect son." Oh my <laughs> exactly. god, that would be exactly. so scary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Evil Barry. <laughs> so, uh, any other thoughts? Or. Shall we my, go on to the well, my like my predictions haven't mm-hmm. played out fully yet because we haven't seen what Cisco and Barry's, you know, realities or their dreams, their fear dreams mm. look like. True. So you're still in the game. Still in the game. Still got <laughs> skin on skin in the game. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> All right. Hmm. Now on to Supergirl. Kara eliminates the dampening field and the three alien besties defeat the poachers. Rainy locks them in their ship and sets them to fly to Uruwai, or Uruwai, restoring the original timeline. But Kat observes this with her drone. She finds the cloak ship and accidentally releases the poachers. Their interference causes Kara to be severely poisoned when she stops the meteor. When the poachers demand the Kryptonian, Kenny instead surrenders and is taken on the ship along with Kat. Rainy, Nia, and a somewhat recovered Kara rescue Kenny and Kat, but also release Plutonian land sharks. The poachers flee, the ship becomes visible, Kara is identified. Dreamer then proposes a desperate plan to travel back to the first fight with the poachers. Kara stows away in the ship. Dreamer destroys the drone, interprets her dream, convinces Kat to quit the planet, and again her media empire. Kara and Brainy defeat the poachers again and send them again to Udawai. When the meteor arrives, Kara is only slightly injured this time, and Brainy can recover the blood sample. Kara tells Kenny she's leaving for college, leaving town for college, and invites him to come with her. Kenny says, I have to be my own man. I can't rely on you for everything. I'll see you again in the season finale when we finally reunite. And that's what you missed on Glee. I didn't mention Alex at all. I'm so sorry, Alex, but I don't know what you did. Okay, so what brought joy? <laughs> well, uh, I speaking of Alex, I did like her and Kara's conversation regarding, like, you know, we said last week we <laughs> were getting annoyed of Alex a little bit because she was very overbearing in this ep- last week's episode and kind of the controlling, always worried sister um, that she once was. Um, but in this episode, it was really nice to sort of get more of her perspective about like why she was being that way, um, because that's always nice and showed her side of the story with regards to like she's living off. She's off living her life at college. She's having a great time. She sees a future for herself and being called back to, you know, uh, Midvale sort of made her think that she couldn't have her own life because she, you know, is like 
Kara's mom because her parents are never around. <laughs> um, so that that conversation was lovely in the car and the fact that like Kara can actually take care of herself and Alex actually seeing that for her sister and realizing she's her own person who is perfectly capable of doing, you know, whatever it is that she wants and being safe about it. And also Kenny. Kenny is now the love of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Protect this man at all costs. Um, so happy that he survived his little heroic moment to like jump in front of the aliens so that they wouldn't, you know, take Kara was just ugh, was precious to me. So he was he's like a great boyfriend. Um, understands Supergirl always wants to be there for her. And I did like their conversation at the end about, you know, how they are going to be able to like grow separately and that they've been sort of relying on each other in a lot of ways. And Kara, especially since like she's been stuck in Midvale, all of these things in her life weren't her choices to make. And like, she wants to pave her own path. And I really like that um, because it, it is very true, especially since like, unlike Clark who came to earth as a baby, she still remembered what Krypton was like. She remembered her old life and, you know, Midvale, at least, like, you know, Alex is her sister, and she feels that way towards her, but, like, I don't think she's ever really been close to her adoptive parents, and so that really shows. So it was really nice that she actually got to make a choice in her own life about what her future will look like versus just having it handed to her. And the same thing with Kenny. It's like, you know, it was nice that he told her about how she's sort of been a light in his life after his dad passed and just being there for him but now he also has to like pave his own uh path forward but also he's still alive so he can still show back up in the, in the present i was and that's so, my prediction like worried about him i was like i just wanted to like when the meteor like ash right <laughs> fragment for crime he's like if i have to put you in a fucking bubble <laughs> time capsule until 2021 <laughs> yes exactly it's like protect Kenny save his man <laughs> I'm so glad that you know the writers listen because they did keep him alive so crossing fingers that he will show back up at some point um, and then of course like Brainy and Nia oh my god this episode was really great for them between like the, the whole meltdown last week with and the 9 to 5 and then kind of bringing that back up again was really great but also their lovely conversation the slow dance they were having was super romantic and super sweet um, and then also like Nia being able to actually figure out her dreams because she's been having such a rough time of you know interpreting her dreams without her mom and really missing her mom so it was really nice that she was able to not only interpret her dreams and that like it was about Cat Grant and Percy White or... Perry White Perry White my god okay. <laughs> um yeah Perry White and the fact that like she also I guess got a new power where she took the dream and like push it into reality itself which is really cool um so I was like really happy for her and really proud that she had those moments because she has been struggling a little bit um so she's kind of coming into herself and being more confident in her abilities and you know brainy rooting her on was just super sweet boyfriend material <laughs> um what else like just the whole episode was very enjoyable the aliens continued being enjoyable um the whole Kara joining them on their return trip to like three hours prior uh was really fun too and I think it all came together like I know that we were wondering why did they do the make this a two-parter besides the obvious of they didn't want to go back to the phantom zone so soon but I think that it was just a generally enjoyable episode where 
the characters actually got to bond and develop and Brainy and Nia got some much needed development on their own terms as well. Yeah, I really like this episode for um, Brainia. I like that there's a lot of uh, parallels between quote unquote Brandon and Brenda <laughs> and Kimmy and Kara, um, and that their respective um, parts of each pair got to bond with each other. Um, Brainia going to prom and having like their first dance was really, really sweet and really romantic. Nia looked gorgeous in her like prom dress. It was like beautiful. So much better than whatever 80s thing that she was wearing in the previous episode. Right? She looked great in the 80s get up, but this is just like really like gorgeous and and um you know, I like the vibes <laughs> in this like prom more than the previous episode. And I, I like that they um seem to have grown a lot connected a lot as a couple in this episode um and then similarly with kenny and kara they're just like the best um first love otp for the win kenny sacrificing himself for to nax and twerk to save kara was just like you know a boyfriend and then cat giving him <laughs> like when he is like kidnapped and he's like you know i'm here but i don't know what i'm doing and i'm just i'm i can't help Kara the way I want to help Kara and Kat just like is there to give him a much needed pep talk when he has lost his confidence in himself and ability to like do this by himself or be at Kara's level and not feel useless I thought was was great that she was even though like she annoyed me like a lot in this episode but I'm glad that she was there to like pump him up and gas him up because that, that I felt like that was a good conversation um, and then also his conversation with Kara, they had a very mature talk about the reasons why Kara had to leave Midville. Because that was one of the questions that I did not get. Like, girl, if you want to go to National City, just tell him you want to go to National City and he can apply and y'all can go together. I don't understand why there's nothing keeping either of y'all in Midville. So what's the deal? And so this talk was really helped kind of show the reasons why they split apart. Um in this timeline and I thought it was really um, great like you said May that you know Kara didn't have a lot of choice in her choices when she came to Earth and she had already kind of like you know she wasn't a baby so she had all of these like previous life experiences and now that she's here she there's a lot of things that she can't do and because of the family she's taken in with like you know she has to protect them so a lot of these decisions were kind of made for her through default. Um, so this is her first time actually getting to choose something. And I thought it was interesting that when she chose to stow away on the ship, it's because like, you know, she's getting like arrested and all this stuff is happening. She's like, I really, I don't even know how to make rice. <laughs> like, like all these like realizations that she doesn't really know a lot about herself. Um, so I thought like her side of it was very realistic. And then I also thought that Kenny's side was realistic as well. And that, you know, since his dad kind of died and, you know, his like car has been like a light in his life. She's also been like a kind of security blanket. She's been like this great adventure that just kind of fell into his life of, you know, you know, taking him away from things that made him sad that he doesn't really know what he is or how to be by himself. Um, so it makes sense in that for that reasoning, why he would want to, stay in Midville and figure out who he is without Kara. Um, so I totally get that. And I still like, I feel like I get it. It's been 10 years though, Kenny. <laughs> I'm sure you are plenty <laughs> capable of 
<laughs> fully capable now. So, um, you know, come on over to National City. I'd like to see like where he ended up in his life. Um, Nia finally figuring out her dream on her own and even pulling in the dream cougar out of her dream into reality. I was like, yay, power level up. Yes. Um, I love seeing her like develop new powers and, and continu- continuing to get like stronger with her, her powers. It's always great. Um, I was very satisfied with Brainia and Kara going back and stopping Kat from finding the ship. I felt like Nia did a much better job than Brainy and distracting um, her target because Brainy was like all over the place with Alex and, and Kenny. But Nia did a great job at gassing Kat's head up and giving her a much needed confident boost um, because the same way that Kat boosted Kenny, she needed someone to boost herself to get her away from the Daily Planet. And that's just what Nia did. And so now she can quit Daily Planet and start Catco with the Pink Cougar, which I don't know if she knew the Pink Cougar was supposed to represent her. I don't know if she would like that, but <laughs> it worked in the end. So that was a, a happy resolve for everything. I like that they, Brainy, they fucked up a lot. They were like legends. They fucked up a lot, but they got, <laughs> they got the job done at the end of the day. So good for them. <laughs> absolutely agree um i really enjoyed uh just so many aspects of this episode and the whole storyline of the two episodes in general just brainia especially i adore them i thought this was like one of their best episodes they really get to see we really get to see like what they bring out in each other and how they're good for each other and you know a lot of people last episode were like are they still together i'm not sure they are congratulations Some people uh, are a dance them. and a kiss. Yeah. Yeah. We got, some people are like, I don't know. I can't really tell. And I'm like, can't you? So now we know <laughs> they are indeed together. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was very sweet. And Brainy trying to sing 9 to 5. Uh, very cute. Um, I adore them. Also, like you said, Nia leveling up. She manifested her dreams into reality. We all wish we could do that. Uh, it was great to, uh, you know, see that. And I hope that, that we're going to see her use that power set again in the near future because you know she's pretty she's a pretty darn powerful lady it was nice to to get to see some more of those powers um also you know now this is like two episodes with Nia and Brainy of the main cast kind of like in the forefront uh which is really nice to see because they almost never (laughs) especially Nia get a chance to sign uh but also yes their sweet mature believable relationship parallel with Kenny and Kara very very nicely and Kenny is even uh, a little bit brainy light, you know? So mm-hmm. I can, so for those of you who wanted brain, uh, Caradox, <laughs> Caradox, maybe you can get Kara Kenny. Kara Kenny. Kara Kenny. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, I really love them. I do think Kenny is so sweet and they really built him up so well in these two episodes that I would be really surprised if he didn't come back around in some way, shape or form by the end of the series. Even if it's just, like, one of those, like, turn and look back and smile type yeah. of things. Yeah, he gives his family in 2.5K. No, not that. <laughs> <laughs> not that. <laughs> you know Although, he dated, but he just never met a girl like Kara, so. Right? <laughs> right. Yeah. What took you so has, long, Kenny? Yeah. Or he has 2.5 kids, but no wife. Interesting. She's gone. There you go. Kara <laughs> sees him with the kids and she's like, oh, darn. And then he's I like, oh, just yeah, my kill wife. his wife, Tati. <laughs> she could, they could have divorced. My God. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so dark? <laughs> anyway. 
anyway, um, I did enjoy uh, the pep talk that Kat gave Kenny, and then Nia was the one that got her to like go go do Kako, which was also fun. So paying it forward. Thank you, Nia. Um, yeah, overall, I enjoyed I enjoyed that um, aspect, all the character stuff. And I did like the Alex and Kara scene that I forgot existed. Oh, but now yeah, the one in the car. The conversation in the car was a really yeah. nice scene between them. Yeah. So it, so that's nice. You know, we get even though we didn't get as much of their dynamic this time around as we normally do. I think it's like they've been established for so long, like we don't necessarily need it. Um, Give that time was, to Kenny. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny deserves it. But it's nice to see. It's nice to see uh, that scene in the car. And then also... Uh, like you mentioned, really understanding why Kara wants to get away, right? Why Kara wants to find her own destiny. And also understanding why Kenny cannot necessarily just follow along with that destiny. So hopefully um, they will both be in a much better place in the present. Uh, their own people and ready to become one people. All right. Uh, what did we not like? You're on mute, May. I was <laughs> as much as I did like I guess Kat's origin story I do think the whole like Nia's dreams being about her <laughs> was a little bit um lame um I thought it was about something different maybe I just had higher expectations <laughs> so it's just like wait she's been dreaming about Kat and this is how she gets the idea to Kat I don't know why I didn't get it because it was like a big cat and like <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I did not I did not make the connection. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that could have been done differently, I guess. Like I liked it, but I also didn't like it um because I did think that it would have been cooler to have Nia's dreams be about herself or Kara or something else. Um and so right. I feel like they like I like Kat and everything, but I feel like in certain parts of the story, she was sort of shoehorned in there, um, which she didn't necessarily mm-hmm. need to be. Um, and of course, anybody who doesn't like Kenny is on my shit list. But that's not a di- that's a dislike for the fandom in general. <laughs> I don't think I disliked anything else, to be honest. This was a really strong episode. I did not a dislike, but I guess a lost hope that Nia didn't actually get to speak to her mom. I thought that would have been nice to at least have heard her voice in some capacity even though she didn't or just, like her. you know she's like returning the missed calls like hey i've got this yeah. call and like nia's like i can't talk to you because you're my mom yeah exactly <laughs> i think that would have been really really sweet um yeah. but alas um yeah like i feel you on like the kitty thing because i feel like there's a lot and andy got a lot of of shit andy from the flash podcast because he was like kenny where have you been all my life <laughs> and why did we waste so much time with like james and mile and every and william and everybody else and a lot of supercore fans got upset and um mm-hmm. you know i don't i don't have anything against supercore as like a ship and people like shipping it but i feel like if you're upset that people like kenny and ship him with kara it's not that deep <laughs> like it's not that serious it's not pushing the heteronormative Virginia like agenda like it's not my fault that the writers make her strictly dickly like <laughs> I didn't do that I didn't want that for her but you know the fact that they did write the ship romantically and people connect to that 
it's not a diss against whatever relationship that Kara has with Lena that people feel like, you know, people that like that ship more or feel like they like that connection more. It's not a diss that people like Kara and Kenny and that relationship and, and how it was developed in the two episodes that it was developed. Um, I, you know, so I feel like that was, they were like certain sections of that fandom were going really in like, this is heteronormative and blah, 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 blah. And she's like, you know, it's not. You just can't start labeling things just because they don't personally like how it's going. (laughs) And it's, and it's, you know, you have a legit queer ship on the show with Kelly and, and Alex. So it's not like you are being denied. It's just, you are not getting the ship that you wanted at this point. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, right. like, yeah. even if, yeah, like, even if it's like, yeah, it is heteronormative to have your hero be heterosexual, but like, she is that, I mean, you know, at the that's very least, the way, at the very that's the way least, they wrote her. Yeah. yeah, at the very least, even if she's not, and secretly, you know, she actually is bisexual. She did date Kenny, like, so yeah. he, <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> wrong with thinking he is the best option of the dudes she's dated. Exactly. Like, what do y'all want to say? It's William? You didn't like it when I said that either. <laughs> but anyway. Do you want William or Kenny? Because that's what you want. Right. Those, those, yeah, right those are the options. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still don't think that this needed, this, like, blast to the back, blast to the past needed to be two episodes. Um, I still think it, was, it felt kind of long. It, it would have been a nice, like, hour and a half. But um, it just felt a little bit long being two full episodes. Um, in... The final season, especially, it just feels like quite a long pause in the main storyline to have this, you know, flashback episode. Um, but it was overall enjoyable. I just felt like it was a little bit long for, you know, the situation that we're in with it being the final season. And then Cat Grant, I, I just didn't like her being, like, dumb. <laughs> and opening the ship for aliens, like, you saw it with your drone, the fight that just happened. Why would you poke an alien ship and be like... Tell me who you are. I'm Cat Grant, and expect that to go the way that you wanted it to go. Um, you know, Brainy, and, and it's not like entirely her fault because I also think Brainy was dumb for not like having the ship take off in orbit on its way to Uruguay. And you know, you know, you did you went through all the work to set it up. Why not just like levitate it off the air and get it away so that Cat couldn't find it? That would have been like the best bet. But then we wouldn't have 40 minutes to fill. So we got what we got. Indeed, indeed. Um, and I mean, that's pretty much my my biggest critique would just be that we only needed it to be one episode. Or at the very least, they should have found the, like, rising action and the denouement <laughs> more balanced. Because it did feel like a lot less happened in this episode than last episode. Even though they went mm-hmm. back in time mm-hmm. and redid things. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet it still felt like, okay, did we need to do all this? Probably not. I was really mostly, you know, interested in the conversations and the and the furthering of characterization uh, and relationships. So um, that's aspect I really liked. But the plot and the aliens, you know, and, and like you said, Kat being the one to like set them free <laughs> was very silly and um, un- unneeded. And I would have rather spent some of that time with Nia reconnecting with her mother in some way, kind of like how Chester did with his dad. 
Mm-hmm. That would have been an acceptable way of doing things without letting her know that it's her daughter. So, so yeah. Um, do I have any other feelings? I agree with everything you said about, uh, about you know, the attacking people for liking Kenny and Kara because it's not Supercore. You just can't see it as an attack on a non-canon ship. Mm-hmm. If it was, it would be different. I would totally understand you if Lena had been presented as a canon option. You know, if there was romantic, if there was any hint that Explicitly. they were really going in. Yeah. Or even, even if it was like they had left Lena single, Lena single. Uh, if they had left Kara single, and so then it was like, you feel like, okay, they're definitely, they want to do this, or they're like, something's holding them back from doing this, but like, this is the way it's going to, you know, go or should go. And then Kenny was just randomly introduced, and you're all like, ah, I see you, villain. <laughs> that would be, that would be one thing. But it's clearly not been the case, because since meeting Lena, Kara has dated like four dudes. So, three dudes? I don't know. I don't know how many dudes. But more dudes... And the same number of dudes. And Lena is also dating dudes. Exactly. (laughs) Same number of dudes Lena has dated. So again, not the dating dudes would preclude you from dating any other gender, but they have not been shown to have a canonical interest in other genders or in each other specifically. So there you go. That's all. Okay. So feedback. Yes, from uh, Shang Sonia and Suara. Shang says, Brainia, they're slow dance, endgame, okay, I see you. Um, the I'm only 17, I don't know anything, but I know I miss you. Okay, who in the writer's room is a Swifty? I approve. Um, so that, that was apparently a Taylor Swift reference in there, which they had a couple of that music references. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because they also did Lady Gaga's, like, uh, paparazzi, like, right after Cat Grant was, like, being a paparazzi for the scene. Yes, like, I see and you. that was proper 2009. That was a yes. good year for music. Mia <laughs> <laughs> um, with Catco glasses. Kara. Brenda? <laughs> um, I almost had a heart attack when I thought that they were going to kill off Kenny for a second time. I liked him as a character. Having a girl leave you to go to a university of her dreams. Yeah, boy, I relate. But there's not enough of him for me to ship it. If they bring him back and develop it again, then maybe... Though him willing to sacrifice himself for Kara, Monel can't relate. But you know who else is willing to defend Kara for a super suit or not? Lilililina. Um, and then finally, I like these two Campy Midville episodes. That characters are also goofy, and they made my trash ass day better. I think sometimes maybe we shouldn't think too much about the plot holes. Just enjoy something for what it is. Absolutely did not move the, the plot forward, but maybe we just might need a breather and something fun for once. Um, Lillian says nothing because she wasn't one of the ones. It was uh, Sonia. <laughs> sorry, Sonia Lillian. says, sorry, Lillian. <laughs> um, what did Sonia say? She says, um, before I get into my feedback, I wanted to say how awesome as the social media, um, about the episode she's a writer for is as a daughter of immigrants who saw what my parents had to give up her story about her mom setting aside her dream for opening for opening an ethiopian restaurant was so heartwarming and the fact that as he made her character leaving an ethiopian restaurant named after her mom in the episode that she wrote made me tear up um in this episode just like last episode i really like this one too and i love flashbacks i already stated that this last episode but my god both isabella and Olivia, who are young 
Kara and Alex respectively embody Melissa and Kyra so much at times I almost forget that I was watching a flashback with different actresses. Am I also the only one who loved a Midville spinoff with who would love a Midville spinoff with Elizabeth Isabella and Olivia in National City or something like that? CW, please make it happen. I love Kenny so much. He's so adorable and him trying to save Kara by pretending to be a Kryptonian and being okay with her going to National City University just made me love him even more. Like, can they bring Kenny back in the present day and have him be her OTP, please? Um, just like Mia didn't know who Lois Lane was, her not knowing who Perry White was is hilarious. Like, girl, what kind of journalist are you? Um, Mia basically giving Kat the idea for Catco was awesome. As we're seeing that weird leopard thing from season one in Kat's office come to life, so to speak. Oh, that's interesting. That makes sense. It's like a throwback. Um, also, speaking of the leopard, it was interesting to see Mia be able to take things out of the dream world and into the real world. Love seeing her powers grow and awe at that brainy at that brain Mia kiss. Yay. Thank you, Sonia. And then finally, we have Swara who says, Supergirl was good. Kyler overall did a fantastic job directing this part two. I love that she got to direct her and Melissa, but younger. That's honestly really cool and imaginative on the part of the showrunners. I'm glad Brainy and me would save the day. More time travel. What a concept. Uh, I honestly thought they did a really um, good job and I enjoyed it. Teen Kara tagging along with them. Somehow this episode felt more cohesive to me than the first. Watching Mia learn about and use more of her powers with the help of Brainy was amazing to see. Such good brainy content this episode. Watching Alex and Carr have deep, meaningful talk was also great. And again, it's amazing that Kyler was able to direct that. Uh, once again, low point with CJ Grant. Like, I'm sorry, but she was completely unnecessary in these episodes. You really need Mia to tell her who she'd be in the future. Honestly, feel like so much time was wasted with this character. No shade to the actress, but I don't think she captured the spark that Calista has. And that's honestly just okay. I just wish she didn't make these episodes drag at times, and I do hope we actually have Callista, if only for one episode before the season's over. Looking forward to what comes next, and hopefully Kara's back on Earth in next episode. Thank you, Suara. And that is all of the feedback. Wonderful. How about uh, predictions? Can he come back? Yes, Kimmy, come back. <laughs> you can blame it all on me. No. Um, we saw that in, in the trailer. Her dad is alive somehow. So that'll be interesting to see how he is alive. And whether, because I had a prediction the, the previous week that Nixie is also alive and maybe using him for leverage to get cars to get them all out. So, yeah. I like it. I like it. I support it. I support all your theories. Um, but yeah, I can't believe, wow, it's been like weeks since we've seen Kara and, you know, the status of her father and dad. foe. Yeah, next week exactly. is the mid-season finale, right? Mm-hmm. And, then we back and then we don't, yeah, see them until, what, August? Uh-huh. Oh, wow, yeah. Crazy. That feels like so far, so yeah. far away. Why are you dragging this out, CW? Because <laughs> uh-huh. I don't want to say goodbye. It's so hard to say goodbye. Okay, so ladies assumption of the week. Um, well, someone did say that it should be they voted Ever- for Sophie and Batwoman. Sophie. And I and I totally support that Sophie for Batwoman. I support that. Um Ryan had some balls. <laughs> Ryan did have some balls. That's, That's true. true. There's no lies. No that lies are true. detected. 
Um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and for any other shows? Oh my god, there's so for, many shows. Like for the Flash, I would say Nora. <laughs> okay, Flash Nora. Yes, she yes, Nora she definitely had balls. And I would also give it to Frost as yes. well. True. You know what? I would say Frost over Nora. Let's be honest. You know, this is this is like week two for me. Like I'm trying to get I'm trying to get you there, Frost. I'm trying. <laughs> I actually I can see it. I can see it for Frost for sure. Um, for I already forgot which one we were just gonna say. Legends, um, Legends right? Ava, obviously. I would mm-hmm. say yeah, Ava yeah. for being control of the ship or in the team and and you know doing her best to to bring Sarah back. Um, for Black Lightning. Jen for electrocuting. I don't, yeah, don't want to give it to her for being so dumb, though. Yeah, putting her as a nominee, she doesn't have like, to win. Yourself. If we're talking about the definition of gumption, that was it. Yeah, right, right. She's not uh, gonna win, but I mean, no. okay, girl. <laughs> yeah, at least you're nominated. It's an honor to be nominated. <laughs> All right. So from those, do we have any other? Oh, I guess Supergirl. Who? I would Nia again. Nia. Nia. Yeah. Nia. Yeah. Okay, so from those, anyone have a winner? Chicken dinner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Um, that is a great question. I think I honestly want to give it to Sophie. Yeah. Uh, because I think that she didn't just risk herself; she risked her job. Mm-hmm. Um, she put it all on the line, and you know. Just to save someone who didn't tell her she was Batwoman. <laughs> true, true, true. I guess my front runners would be either Ava or Frost. Yeah. If this is if this is Frost's final episode. Do then... you really think that it is? <laughs> <laughs> is this a pity, is this a pity vote? because <laughs> <laughs> of the two I'd probably lean towards Ava to be honest <laughs> um okay okay I'm ex- I, I accept Ava as well yes so I will say Ava I I'm sorry to Sophie I, I love you Sophie and you were great <laughs> I hope you'll have an even bigger episode and Sophie you was like last week wasn't she with her um, oh was she didn't oh, we vote her for Dawson's Drift yeah 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 okay okay I will pass the baton on to Ava. <laughs> All right, then. Woohoo! All right. So with that in mind, uh, please come back to us next week for hopefully not a four-hour podcast. Um, but uh, it'll be the season mid-season finale of Supergirl, so look forward to that. And in the future, we'll have more Patreons. So with that, you can find us at ladieswgumption at gmail.com or ladieswgumption.tumblr.com and DCTV Gumption on the Twitters. Fare thee well, and and to all a good night. Bye. Bye.